going on, everybody? Welcome to another week of the Live Life Aggressively podcast with yours truly, Sincere Hogan, and Mike Mahler. What's going on, Mike? What's going on, man? I'm doing good, man. Hey, I, I love the way our website rankings are looking, man. I was checking out Alexa.com, and we're both mm-hmm. about to break the top 100,000. We're both on the verge of doing that, so it's pretty cool. It's pretty awesome, man. Yeah, whatever we're doing is working because uh, <laughs> I, I think I think that – I mean, my website has gone up quite a bit, but your the, your growth has been significant since we started yeah. the podcast. Oh I yeah, mean, I think yeah. I think you were like at three hundred thousand or something last year. Now you're like at one ten. Yeah, and it's you're crazy. about to break. It's a dog. At one yeah. point, you were way ahead of me. I was like, wait a minute, why is sincere ahead of me? I was like, what's going on? I was like, why is sincere's website ahead of my site? <laughs> and I, you know, it's crazy, man. When you send me those stats, when you send me that, and I'm always looking at because I have Alexa on my browser. But right. one of the things I looked at is um, when I clicked on my rankings. I actually looked at the time spent on the website, and that to me is more significant than anything. No, no, yours because, is awesome, man. It's like yours 38 so minutes cool. on my site. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. No, no, no and, yeah, and I like your it. Bounce rate is not, your bounce rate, which means when bounce rate is like, if you have a high bounce rate, people look at one page and then they leave your website. And yours is the lowest I've ever seen on a website looking. Yours is 12%, which is ridiculously low. So you're, you're definitely getting people to your site, and you're getting them to look at a lot of stuff. All you yeah. got to do now is get them to buy something, man. And yeah, how about set. that? Cool. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get those visits to translate to some ducks. Some ducks. What happens is no. people, people come. I have a high bounce rate, 60%. So people buy something, and then they go to your website to read yeah, all I need that problem. That's the problem I need right there. <laughs> <laughs> and then I noticed that the keyword searches for yours, my name is on there. I was like, oh, boy, is this guy clever, man. There's <laughs> 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 like top keyword searches for Sincere's website, Mike Mahler, number four. I was like, oh, boy, this is Great. <laughs> hey, man, it, it helps out with some of those affiliate sales, man, of yours, though. Hey, <laughs> so it does translate every now and then. <laughs> no, no, but it's cool. It's cool because you know, you know, what's funny is that in, in our industry, we're going to get we're, we're going to get into that with our guest in a second here. I'll announce in a second. In, in our industry, people people are really silly. That we we talked about this a while back. How people people like to see other people successful, but not more than them. That's right. what's irritating them. In other words, like I'll give you advice. And I'm like, I want you to be successful, but I don't want you to pass me. I'm, I'm, and I'm, spe- I'm not speaking of me. I'm thinking, of, I'm speaking of the way other people think about this whole right. thing. And that makes me laugh because, I mean, if, if your website ranking goes like, let's say, fifty thousand higher than mine, who cares? We're both, do- we're both working together. We're both uh, affiliated with each other. We're both doing the podcast and it's posted on each other's website. So it, it helps both of us. So our, okay. our, our individual success helps our mutual success. And I, and I think a lot of people forget that. Exactly. And the thing about it, both of us are in front of different audiences as well. We have the same audience and we have different audiences as well. So, therefore, it introduces us to those respective audiences right there. So, right. we're still helping each other out. And, again, there may be some people that follow me that, oh, okay, what's this product right there? Because I'm very limited on who I, who I actually support and promote on my website as right. far as my links. You won't find 50,000 links on my website. Those are going to be some people who are in my circle. They're in my circle, and that's because I believe in what they're doing. It's not just because, oh, I like him. I want to put his, put his link down, ha, 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 and hopefully get some traffic and get some backlinks right. and all that other Internet marketing talk that some people probably don't even care about. But the thing is, is like I support those who support me, and they're actually out there doing good things for folks, and I believe in what they're doing. They have integrity, and that's the most important thing. They have to have some integrity. I'm not just going to sit there and just promote just anybody, man. So, it, like I said, it helps everybody out. And the same thing when we bring people on this show, man, it's just – People got to have something they can offer to our listeners and not just bring people on just for the hell of bringing people on. And hopefully we'll get somebody that's really, really popular and they can give us like 100,000 downloads that week, even though we think that they suck as an individual and as a human being. So, we, yeah, we don't roll like that, man. 
Cool. Yeah, and speak, speaking of great guests, we have mm-hmm. a killer guest today. We've got our buddy Scott Shelter, super high-level strength coach, high-level kettlebell guy, too. He wrote a great exactly. book a while back. He's also a plant-based athlete, which, of course, is important to me as a fellow plant-based athlete. And he also put out a great book that I was happy to be a part of, which is Raising a Lot of Money for a Great Cause. So we're going to talk mm-hmm. about that as well. And also, Scott's a fellow blackjack player. So we've, we've got a lot in common. Scott, how are you doing today? <laughs> Pretty good, guys. God's mm-hmm. like, when are these guys going to stop talking and introduce me? <laughs> Not at all, man. Not at all. I got like 30 minutes here, man. He's <laughs> looking at his clock. Like, what's my next client coming? <laughs> no, uh, I, I had a good night. I bring up blackjack because I was out playing last night. It was just one of those times where, you know, you, you're working on a lot of stuff and you're in your head quite a bit. And I love to go play cards when I've got business stuff on my mind and you just need a mental break from it. You go do something else, which works your mind quite a bit. Because when I play blackjack, I use a lot of strategy. And then you kind of cleave clear-headed. And it's great when you win. It's still kind of great when you lose because you're still getting the mental work. But it's a lot better when you win. So I, I, as given the high roller I am, folks, I played at Hooters <laughs> Casino last night, a very high-end casino <laughs> in Las Vegas, where they have ridiculously high stake tables of $3. you gotta, oh. you got to spend a whopping th- Scott? Yeah, you guys there? Oh yeah, I'm I'm here. <laughs> I guess um I guess Skype doesn't appreciate Mike's promoting of gambling. Huh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, Skype, Skype is like get the fuck off, Mike. We don't want to hear about your <laughs> We won't condone that. <laughs> There'll be none of that. <laughs> oh man. Uh, man. I don't even know where I got cut off. Was oh, like the last time we heard you you spent like you were at like the three dollar tables and I think three dollar tables, where, man. Yeah, and that's when Microsoft and Skype thought like, oh this guy's not talking about it. three dollar tables, get him off He's right now. <laughs> He's about to come next. Let's cut him off right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm playing cards here. And, again, like I said, there's a lot of strategy, so it's good mental work. It's fun. It's, one thing I like about Las Vegas is the fact that you can go out on a Monday night, like Ken Blackburn. And, actually, I was texting you, too, sincere, but I'm sitting there texting Ken, and I took a photo of you know some of the debauchery I saw going on at Mandalay Bay. And uh, Ken's like, man, that's still better than a Friday night in Fenton. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, Ken, that's why I don't live there. Now, why do you live there? We'll talk about that when you come back on the show. Exactly. But I, I do enjoy playing blackjack because it's also fun to socialize with people from out of town. It's fun. But the, the funniest thing is when people start trying to give you tips, like when you first sit down at the table, when they don't think you know what you're doing. Like, oh, you need to do this. You need to do that. And these people never know what they're talking about because just like anything else, like strength coaches, people in the gym and know what they're doing. Glorified nutritionists. Like, exactly, oh, exactly. you need to eat like this. Hey, Scott, you know, that plant-based diet won't work for you, man. <laughs> exactly, you need, yeah. you need, where are you going to get your protein, Scott? Right, right, right. It's always someone who's weaker than you that says that. And it's, it's always unsolicited advice. Like, I didn't ask for you. Any help for me? Did I look like I was needing help up here? But, uh, but anyway, that that's always hilarious. And then when you start winning several hands, when you start making these ballsy bets and winning, and I'm using the word ballsy relatively speaking, so I'm playing at a five dollar table here. <laughs> at Hooters. At Hooters. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but uh, and then all of a sudden, people start asking you for advice, and that's always a fun change of pace. But then, I, so I start there, and then I go to Cosmopolitan, played a couple of hands there. And that's always a fun place to go because there's plenty of skirt shirts for entertainment. And I didn't run into Shaq this time since there. <laughs> I think Maybe he had that. enough. He had enough. Yeah. So that, so that was a good time, man. Uh, but anyway, a little, little segue there on just some of the fun things to do in Las Vegas. Scott, uh, let's, let's start talking about you. Enough about, enough about me and my boring stories here. How did you, <laughs> how did you get started in, 
the whole strength training business? How did you get your, your gym set up and, and get established? Yeah, man, it, it started, uh, you know, my interest in fitness started a uh, uh, long time ago when, when I was, uh, I joined the Navy after high school, and, uh, you know, I'd, I'd really gotten into uh, training, you know, while I was in the Navy, just kind of working out on my own and stuff like that, and, and with some friends, you know, that I was stationed with, and, uh, you know, I, I think it started a lot like, you know, a lot of people, uh, you know, kind of, uh, you know, my age, uh, back, you know, when I was in high school, bodybuilding was all the rage, you know, uh, Lee Haney was kind of on top, and you're always watching mm-hmm. the Mr. Olympia on TV and reading the muscle mags, and, you know, you got Arnold's book and stuff, so, you know, there was that early interest in bodybuilding, because I was the typical, you know, skinny 135-pound kid, you know, in, in high school, so you're always looking to, you know, get bigger and, and put on some muscle and stuff like that, so you, you join the local gym, and when, when I was, uh, when I was uh, stationed in the Navy, we had a pretty good base uh, gym, so I, I did a lot of training there and stuff, and just, just kind of talking to people, you know, gym rats and stuff like that, you know, kind of about what they do and, you know, reading about programs. That's kind of where it all started, and then eventually I uh, went on to get some interest in, in the business side of it, you know, in personal training and stuff like that. I started studying for, you know, various certifications and, and getting some credentials and getting some hands-on experience. I uh, started working at the YMCA when I was in Akron, Ohio, before I moved down to Georgia, uh, moved down here in 99, picked up a job at a uh, pretty upscale fitness center at, at a major uh, country club here in Atlanta as I was finishing up my uh, college degree. Uh, and, you know, it just kind of all spawned from there. You know, I, as, I, as you get into, you know, I, I think there's two types of people that, that get into the, to the training industry. There's some that are kind of happy just working at, like, the Gold's Gym or whatever. They're just kind of right. gym rats, and that's all they care about, you know, is just being in that environment, you know, kind of socializing, hanging out with people. But then there's people, you know, kind of like you guys and, and myself who, you know, you, you, you get into it and you start learning more about, you know, the body, you know, the way it works, how it relates to different sports, different activities, you know, the impact that training has on your health and fitness and stuff like that. And you start to pick a little bit deeper, you know, whether you, you continue your studies in school or whether you start studying on your own, you network with people and things like that. And uh, through uh, reading, I was a big fan of Muscle Media 2000 magazine back in the day yeah. when David oh, yeah. Shane it was great. great back then. Yeah, oh, yeah man, that was it, great. It was that was awesome. awesome. It was awesome, yeah, and and I really got turned on to the whole concept of, you know, I guess strength and conditioning uh, as, you know, uh, uh, I don't know whether you call it a, a, a job prospect or, or, or right. it was something you could actually do, you know, through reading Charles Poliquin's articles. You know, his, oh, yeah. his articles were just revolutionary for back then, you know, great training ideas, you know, great concepts, totally blown away a lot of you know, things that were becoming accepted, at, at least, you know, that, that I was exposed to that was becoming accepted right. on, on how to train and things like that. And I uh, just, just loved this stuff and started eating up as much as I could, you know, bought all his books and, and had the opportunity to meet him one time at the Arnold Classic, this and that. So, so I started, you know, reading a little bit more on that side. And, of course, that led to, you know, being exposed to other things. I finally got online on the Internet, you know, started learning more about some of the, the various, you know, you know, powerlifting clubs and things like that, which eventually led me to Dave Tate and, you know, Louis Simmons Info and stuff and, and you know, eventually to kettlebell training. I mean, you're just consuming all this information over over many years, and, and I never really stopped, you know, I mean, it was just, it's right. always fun to learn, it's always fun to talk to people and stuff, and, and that kind of, you know, was the base for, you know, what I started getting into, and eventually it just led into me breaking away from working in, you know, the, the commercial environment and, and starting my own, uh, my own training center and, and, you know, working privately like that. Cool. Now, Scott, you are very good at combining powerlifting principles with kettlebell sport training principles. How do you 
How do you manage those two different training goals into an overall paradigm? You know, I, it wasn't so much like, because like, my, my background, you know, when I, I was getting exposed to kettlebells and stuff, I was just starting to get interested in powerlifting. And I had actually started training with kettlebells just prior to it. Actually, kettlebells okay. led me to powerlifting. Okay. I, uh, I was really into rock climbing at the time. This was like in early, you know, 2000, 2001. I was really into rock climbing. I was uh, studying martial arts. And that's kind of how I, I, I came across Dragon Door uh, publications <clears throat> and, of course, Pavel's work. And, and I, I really got interested in his Power to the People uh, program. I, I wanted to buy his book. And, and since I was actually heading up to Ohio to go to the Arnold Classic, I heard he was going to be there. So I, I tracked him down. I, I bought his book, talked to him a little bit. And that, that's where I first learned about kettlebells. I, I asked him about them. He put on, you know, one of his, his original RKC video. He was actually doing a demonstration up there with the Marines that year. And right. uh, he put on his RKC video. I was checking it out because I'd never seen kettlebells other than the mailers that I was getting in the magazine. And after watching the video and stuff and just kind of seeing the movements, I thought, you know, th- this is awesome. You know, so, so I, uh, I, I bought his uh, RKC book and eventually got some kettlebells, started training on my own, hooked up with uh, Dave Randolph. Uh, you know, he came down from Kentucky, did some training, eventually brought sure. Steve Cotter down. So I, I started training with some people that were, you know, involved with the RKC organization. And, uh, you know, in that time, I was slowly getting interested in powerlifting uh, through talking a lot with Jack Reap on the Dragon Door Forum. He, he eventually became a great, you know, resource for me, and he kind of hit me off to, yeah, oh, awesome guy, awesome guy. And uh, he tipped me off to, you know, Elite <clears throat> Fitness Systems, and I started, you know, reading Dave Tate's stuff and buying his videos and, you know, the, the West Side stuff. And that's kind of where I, I, I started powerlifting, and, and I just always felt like kettlebells, they, they felt right for those movements, you know, swings, right. cleans, you know, uh, presses. It, it just it just all seemed to fit really well with uh, really well with the big barbell lifts. And, and I just started doing it and, and never stopped, you know. And, and as I was getting a little bit better at powerlifting and, and getting a little bit better at kettlebell lifting and stuff, I just talked to people, you know, powerlifters and, you know, kettlebell lifters and asked them how they combined the principles in their training and stuff like that and learned as much as I could. And then through just learning on my own and experimenting in the gym and with the people, with, with the athletes and the regular people that I was training, you know, I just kind of saw what worked for people and what didn't. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think kettlebells and barbells work very synergistically, you know. Now, how, how would, what's, an ex, what's an example of how you would, let's say, someone who wants to do a powerlifting meet and then someone who wants to do maybe – in a similar time frame, maybe a month later, a kettlebell sport meet. How would you design a program for someone like that? That was actually what I was kind of going back and forth with uh, on myself because, you know, I, oh, I wanted okay. to compete in both, both sports. And, it, it's, you know, it is tough uh, to, to do them simultaneously and excel at them both simultaneously because, you know, specificity right. is always going to win out whenever you're preparing for something. So what, what I kind of did is if I didn't have a, a competition on the radar – I was pretty well balanced in my training. And basically what I did is I followed followed a typical four-day powerlifting program where I pushed lower body training two days a week. I pushed upper body training two days a week. Um, On my upper body training days, I would work uh, snatches. And on my lower body training days, I would work uh, jerks because I I felt like the kettlebell jerk was more of a lower body dominant uh, lift. 
Um, right. I, you know, you, you can make arguments for doing, you know, swings and snatches and stuff, you know, with deadlifts and, and squats because it is a, you know, predominantly posterior chain movement. But I just felt like jerks being such a leg dominant exercise, you know, I, I worked those on the, on the uh, lower body days with the, the squats and stuff. And uh, that was kind of how I, I, I built the training. I kind of gravitated more towards a long cycle. So it really wasn't much of an issue. You know, I, I do all my heavy long cycle work on my squat and deadlift days, and then I do some lighter stuff or I, you know, like I said, play around with some swings snatches, stuff like that on the upper body days. And that was kind of how I, I ran the uh, program if I didn't have a meet on the radar. Then, of course, when a meet was coming up, if it was a powerlifting meet, I just backed off a little bit on the kettlebell work, and I used it, you know, more for, uh, you know, GPP, you know, conditioning, helping to keep my weight in check, um, and, and, you know, things like that. Maybe, maybe you know, anywhere from three to, three to ten minutes worth of work at the end of a training session, you know, worked out really well. When I had a kettlebell meet coming up, uh, the kettlebell the kettlebell training moved to the to the front of the training plan, and the barbell lifts were treated more as an auxiliary type thing. You know, I didn't work them as as heavy. Uh, I tried to keep my intensity somewhere in maybe the seventy five to eighty five percent range, so that I didn't really lose a lot of strength. But the right. goal during that time wasn't to you know hit any personal records or anything. So that was kind of how I managed training volume and and honestly it worked uh it worked really well for me now do you still actively compete in either powerlifting or kettlebell sport at this time no no not really i kind of lost interest in competition uh you know a few years ago uh when i went through kind of uh uh kind of a transformation of my own personal health and stuff like that Mm -hmm. um but i I did do uh i did compete at my friend's uh kettlebell competition last actually it was about a year ago uh in april in in florida my my friend jay trunzo owns uh, the punch yeah, you know Jay. Yeah, he owns a yeah. bunch of kettlebell gym down there. He had his first meet down there, and he's he's been a, a longtime friend, and actually does uh, he does online coaching with me. So I, I've been working with him for for a long time now, and I just did the meet to go down there and kind of support him and stuff like that. And it was also kind of an experiment because that was also after I had transitioned to eating a one hundred percent vegan diet uh, over a couple of years. I went from being vegetarian to you know one hundred percent vegan. And I just kind of wanted to see how I would do, you know, just n- nothing crazy. I, I, the last competition I did was with the 20 kilos. I, I did, uh, did 71 reps in training. I did 60, uh, 65 in competition or whatever. And I just, you know, and I was also about 50 pounds heavier. So I, 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 I dropped 50 pounds. I hadn't been doing a lot of strength and conditioning work. So I just kind of wanted to see what I could do training 100% plant-based. And I, I actually exceeded both of my previous bets. I did 72 reps in training in a 10-minute set, and I did 67 at his competition. So that was kind of a fun experiment, you know, to take three months, so, you know, about, about, about two, three months, and just really prepare and focus my training like that. And I've kind of committed to doing his meet again this year. So, you know, when, when you ask me if I'm still actively competing, I, I'll say no because it's not a huge priority. Mm-hmm. I'm just doing it more for fun and, and just to, you know, kind of go down and test myself and see how I do. But, you know, right, right now I've got no interest in going back into powerlifting, no interest in pursuing you know, kettlebell sport ex- exclusively. I, I may enter a meet here and there just to kind of test myself, maybe see how my lifts are. I've got mm-hmm. kind of uh, some deadlift targets that I'm trying to get off my back, but, you know, it, it, it's nothing that, you know, I can kind of take it or leave it at this point, you know? Right. Did you notice any difference as far as your recovery after that meet compared to before that, before you switched to a plant-based diet? Cause I know you Way seem, better. Like, yeah, like for me, it was it was the opposite. It seemed like when I was a vegetarian, it seems like my recovery just sucked. Took like three or four days, and it's always interesting when Mike we have our guests on. They always see you know what's really working for them, and everyone has a different a different aspect, a different 
different results that, you know, happen for them. And so it's always good to bring that out because there are some people I know that probably listen like, well, maybe I should go that way. Maybe I should do a plant-based diet. What's that going to be like? So it's always good to hear someone else's experience because, again, it's not like one experience is going to be the experience. So what worked, you know, what was happening with me may not necessarily be what's happening with someone else. So it's always good to have all those different experiences, though. Yeah, so that's why I wanted to know what your recovery was like. And I've heard from quite a few people where their recovery is a lot better once they went straight up just straight vegan, straight up plant-based. And then even on the other side of the spectrum as well. So, yeah, man. Yeah, it was way better. There's no question about it. Oh, let's talk about this. Let's talk about the when you lost the 50 pounds, too. And yeah. cause the thing about it, that wasn't something that happened, like, over a year or something like that. But it wasn't one of these things that you see in these commercials where they say, hey, you're going to do this in, you know, like, two weeks, three weeks, 21 days, yeah. blah, blah, blah. But it did happen for you, if I'm not mistaken, what, in, like, four months. Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it, was right, so, it was right about four months, right on. So yeah, just you know, just if you could just share how you made that happen in those four yeah. months time, because fifty pounds that's significant in four months, bro. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's major. definitely, man. Definitely, and, and it, you know, it started out. I, I, I started getting interested, and in, I've always had kind of an, something internally, you know, kind of poking at me, saying, you know, you should be eating vegan you, you should go vegan you should go vegan and and when i was really starting to consider it there weren't a lot of people that were at least openly i mean really mike was the only guy that i knew of that that did it you know and, and right. he was always like to me he was the exception you know he wasn't the yeah, normal. I, I was the first guy out of the closet on that one <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah 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 exactly mike came man. out yeah he was the first one to come out <laughs> he put up, mike came he put out up long before so it was much, popular folks okay dude you put up with so much shit behind your back man i mean people were always you know but but you know yeah, what but i mean that's the opportunity it's behind my back because come train with me anytime. You know, that's what I would tell such people. They're like, oh, he does this and does that. And there were always people that were weaker than me. It's like, well, show me what you got, folks. If you're, if you're so superior, then let's work out, man. And it was, it was never someone that was stronger than me that would say stuff like that. So that's, exactly. you, so that's the operative word behind my back. They're like, oh, vegan pussy. It's like, well, fucking come work out with me, bitch. Yep. And, then, and, then, and then it would always be like, well, he's the exception. You know, like when, when, when they saw the results, they'd be like, well, he's just special. It's like, yeah, right, man. Yep. My mom's from no. fucking India. My dad's like a dork and never worked out in his life. You know, first time I tried bench pressing, I got pinned with 90 pounds. Hardly a genetic specimen, you know, for getting strong, you know, from, from a genetic Definitely. standpoint. But people always yeah. like to make excuses for everything. Well, yeah, right, right. and you were really the only one, you were the only one, you know, that, that I knew of doing it. You know, I mean, I, I hadn't been turned on to, like, you know, the, the vegan bodybuilding crew yet and stuff like that. So, so yeah, it was easy to look at pictures of Mike or, or read his training log and say, yeah, he's you know he, he's awesome, but but they're just it just wasn't the norm, you know. And, and on the powerlifting side, you got you know unless you're eating like you know bacon doubles with you know cheese and you know large fries and stuff, you're not a real powerlifter. I mean, you know all that stupid false bravado that they like to you know kind of chest pump and stuff like that. But so so I mean, it was you know the nutrition thing was always just in the back of my mind. Like I I, I felt like a, a pull toward a vegetarian or vegan vegan approach, but I just kind of didn't have the the educational background or, or the knowledge base or or whatever. But I did have a, a huge love for animals, so I always felt hypocritical, you know, eating meat and and the amounts of meat that I used to eat. And, and finally, I just said, you know what, screw it, man. It, I'm done with this. You know, I you know I, I'm not going to be a world champion powerlifter. I, I don't want to do this stuff anymore. I'm sick of feeling like shit all the time. Uh, I, I really want to get healthy. I, I want to make a big change in my life. You know, I, I, it's time to, to drop all the bullshit and start doing what I want to do and where I want, you know, my personal development to go. You know, it was time to kind of 
do do my thing, you know. And uh, I, uh, I I started the the junk food vegetarian diet. You know, I mean, I cut out the red meat, <laughs> I cut out the I cut out the chicken and all that stuff. I was still eating a little bit of fish, you know, just like everybody eating some eggs. Right, and right. So, you know, doing it slowly. But I wasn't eating vegetables, man. Vegetables were like, you know, carrots and potatoes. You know, I did, it didn't have anything green, you know, ever. So I did that for a few months. And I lost a little bit of weight. You know, I lost about five pounds. My joints started feeling better. Um, but I, I still wasn't – it still wasn't right, you know. So I started looking on, online, and I started Googling just, you know, vegan powerlifters, vegan bodybuilders. There's got to be something out there. And that's when I came across veganbodybuilding.com. That's when I came across guys like Danny Dalton, the raw vegan bodybuilders on YouTube. And honestly, it was Danny's the, – the little 10-minute clip of Danny's uh, – uh, feature on that that dvd that he did with uh, marcus rothkranz i think it was called like raw vegan muscle that little 10 minute clip that danny has floating around youtube was really what inspired me to to get deeper into it so i i, I ordered marcus's ebook and read it in one day i went to the store i bought a vitamix and i made my first green smoothie and i felt like my head exploded man i was like wow this is what real nutrition feels like and i i almost immediately went 100 percent raw vegan I was having like one cooked vegan meal a day, usually like rice and beans or something like that. Other than that, I was like 95% raw uh, for about a month or two. Then I went totally raw for a couple months. I just got really into it, loved the way I was feeling, and the weight was just falling off and my energy was going through the roof, man. At at that time, I had also started uh, studying internal martial arts uh, with my my current uh, uh, teacher here in Atlanta. I've been studying Tai Chi and Qigong under him for going on three years now. Uh, so I'd start focusing more on things like meditation, you know, the Tai Chi and Qigong practice. But I, I still lifted, you know. I, I still lifted barbells. I was still doing a lot of kettlebell training. Uh, but I, I was just bringing more balance to my training. And four months later of following that, that protocol, you know, I was working out less intense. I was working out, you know, less, you know, less hard, you know. I, I was training about maybe three, four days a week strength training. And I was doing a, a daily practice of Qigong meditation and, and uh, Tai Chi and just following the nutrition, man, and I just, I couldn't keep the weight on, man. It was falling off. I was leaning up. I was seeing muscle definition, you know, that I hadn't seen in a long time, and I just knew. I was like, this is the right fit for me, you know, and, and uh, sure enough, four months later, I was down 50 pounds, feeling better. I, I, you know, clients I, I, that hadn't seen me in a couple months, I, I had a couple that was traveling. They came back like three months later, and, and they couldn't believe it. They were like, wow, your, your eyes are clear. Your skin's clear. You look like a different person. You know, what have you been doing? And I, I told them, so I, you know, a lot of people started doing it, and it was just, I, I just felt like this is it, you know, this, this is really what I, I should be doing. I've, I've never felt that good. What, what exactly are you eating each day out of curiosity? You're, you're blending up some power shakes. You're, well, wait, can yeah. you give us a basic idea of just an example of one day? I, I mean, I, I love the green smoothies because they're fast. You know, I mean, keeping the hours that I keep, I'm usually out the door really early in the morning, and I'm, I'm back really late at night. And, and what, is, what does that consist of, Scott? Sorry, what does that break down? What does the green smoothie consist of? What's in it? Basically, basically, uh, you know, I, I use, I, I think it was uh, Victoria Butenko's kind of guideline. I generally use, like, two cups of water or some, you know, almond milk is usually a, a popular base for me. But either water or almond milk, I, I'll throw two cups of that. Um, I usually use uh, about two cups of green. I don't measure the stuff out anymore because I can just kind of eye it up. I, usually I just right. make a few fistfuls of greens. Uh, some of the more popular ones, I, I, I like to use a lot of kale, dandelion greens, collard greens, uh, you know, Swiss chard. Those, those are some of the more popular uh, greens that I use. 
spinach, you know. Uh, so I usually throw about two or three, sometimes four or five fistfuls of just whatever I got in the fridge. And then I usually use a couple fruits. I, I, I like to throw a banana in just because it makes the smoothie really, you know, kind of creamy and, and sweetens it up a little bit. Then I'll usually use mixed berries or strawberries or, uh, you know, pineapple or something like that. And uh, I just I blend that all up. It makes about 40 to 50 ounces um, I'll slam that down in the morning. Uh, after I, I usually drink about 32 ounces of water first thing. I, I got a big mason jar when I'm feeding my pets in the morning. I fill that up. Uh, I usually squeeze some lemon or lime in there, yeah. drink that, drink my smoothie, head out the door. Uh, throughout the morning, I just kind of graze on raw fruit because I've got a ton of appointments. So I just keep, you know, a bunch of, you know, apples, Asian pears, bananas, oranges, just, just a bunch of raw fruit and nuts and seeds and stuff like that around the gym. So I'll just kind of I'll just kind of graze on that, you know, because I don't really have time to sit down and eat. And then uh, mid-afternoon, I usually I go to my uh, Tai Chi training, and then when I come back, I'll usually have either, like, rice and beans with some greens in it or, or uh, you know, sometimes I'll have some oatmeal with some, like, almond butter, peanut butter mixed in. Uh, I, I keep some stuff at the gym that I can, you know, cook with, so I, I keep some staples there. Um, mid-afternoon, usually do another green smoothie. Uh, dinner is usually more rice, beans, or, uh, you know, lentils or something like that with some greens mixed in. Um, I'll eat more raw fruit, or, uh, raw vegetables and stuff throughout the day. Um, and then evening, I usually come home, either have a green smoothie or, you know, maybe some oatmeal or something like that. I mean, it's, it's nothing really... Uh, Nothing really strict. Uh, my biggest problem is I get kind of locked into eating the same things, you know, over and over. But, you know, it works for me, man. I, I keep my weight in check. My energy levels are good. And, uh, you know, I, I, like I said, man, I, I feel better than, than I've ever felt. And, uh, you know, training's going good and stuff. And can't complain, man. Now, what does a typical day look like as far as your training? Now that you pretty much adjusted um, with your diet. Yeah, generally, uh, like I said, I, I, I try to practice uh, uh, Qigong and Tai Chi daily and, and meditate daily. Um, right now, I'm, I'm, uh, I just finished up uh, the old frame of the long Chen uh, form. So I, I've been training both Yang style and Chen style, and my teachers just started me on a Yang sword. We're wrapping up our first Yang sword form. Uh, so the Chen style stuff has been really fun because it's a lot more dynamic than a Yang style Tai Chi. Um, and it's been a lot more of a physical challenge. So I've been putting a lot more practice into working with him on, on those forms and stuff. Uh, I, I've got a formal, you know, training with him three times a week. We, we've got a class, uh, 1130 Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So I go to that and then I do some practice on my own. Uh, I try to do something daily there. As far as uh, weight training and strength training and stuff, I, I still keep to my typical Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday schedule. Uh, typically Mondays and Thursdays are deadlift and squat-focused training with uh, heavy emphasis on, on kettlebell. Uh, since, since i got the meet coming up in two months in Florida, I've been doing a lot of long cycle work. Um, Tuesdays, Fridays, I typically start out with a lot of long cycle work, and then I uh, wrap it up with uh, some type of pressing, usually uh, some bench pressing work right now. I'm, I'm just, uh, because of all the long cycle, I've just been doing a lot of lighter benching for like six to eight reps, you know, just doing more volume work and stuff like that after the long cycle, and I'll usually superset a lot of back and lat work with the, uh, the bench work. Fridays, I usually do some overhead pressing, again, just higher volume, lighter weights, and uh, doing a lot of you know, pull-ups and other lat work, uh, superset it with there. And then I'll do some snatching after my Tuesday-Friday workouts. And then on Mondays and uh, Thursdays, I usually finish those workouts up with a lot of ab, you know, and uh, lower back training and stuff. So that's kind of like my training split right now. It doesn't really deviate much from that throughout the year. It's just sometimes, you know, if I'm, you know, like 
obviously with the kettlebell meet coming up, I've been putting a little more focus on the kettlebell stuff. But you know, when when I won't have that to look forward to, it'll be a little bit more balanced. I'll probably start pushing the weights a little bit more. You know, trying to to bring the strength up in my primary lifts. So right. it's kind of how I'm training right now. Well, what's your goal with the deadlift right now, Scott? Um, I'd, I'd like to uh, I'd like to hit a. I've got two goals uh, currently. Um, I'd like to go, now that my body weight's down to 180, um, I want to hit 545, or no, no, I'm sorry, 545 uh, in my deadlift suit, and I want to hit uh, 465 raw. Those are my two goals right now. Uh, They they were uh, my best deadlift I did when I was weighing about 210, 215-ish, somewhere around there. And I'd like to uh, I'd like to break that uh, at a much lighter body weight now. So again, it's nothing nothing legendary, you know. But I just want to uh, I kind of want to get that off my back. Yeah, so so I mean, the goals are yeah all yours. I think sometimes people get yeah people get too much. People look at other people's achievements and go, okay, I need to hit that. And what about hmm. your own PR? You know? Right. <laughs> yeah. Really Yeah. I've got no desire to commit to doing you know, training to get myself up to the point where I break, you know, seven, seven fifty. I mean, that that's, right. you know, I respect the hell out of those guys, man. I mean, the guys that dedicate their lives to, to the sport, but I, I'm just, I'm just yeah. not there, man. You know, I'd like to hit six plates raw actually, but I'm, I'm taking my time there. You know, I can do five twenty five raw. I'd like to hit five fifty this year, maybe long term. But it's it's not one of those things that's that's like a burning desire for me. You know what I mean? It's like a fun thing yeah. I'm working yeah. on. So it, it doesn't. Yeah, I mean, have, it doesn't have any feel, effect on whether I'm going to be happy or not. Let's put it that way. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, exactly. Don't, don't you feel that it's more like the process? Like 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 I Absolutely. look at my training goals. You know, my, my targets just simply keep my training on track, and it's right. the training that's enjoyable. You know, I I, I love training. And that, that, that's really all exactly. that matters to me. Whether or not I hit my targets, you know, whatever, man. I mean, I don't define myself by that. But it just allows me to keep my training on track. Has me, you know, it, it allows me to keep my training structured so it's not all over the place because I'm, well, that, I'm well, that's, not. Well, that's what I was trying. That was, that was the point that I was trying to get to with my blackjack story. And I, I got cut off, so it kind of threw my <laughs> thinking off. But I was trying to get, I like to go out and play because I like the process. I like the, anal, the analytical process and. Sure. You know, I I count cards. I can say that because I'm not a high roller where I make a living off of it. But you know, so I'm keeping track of high cards. I'm tre- keeping track of low cards. I'm keeping track of aces. I'm keeping track of every card on the table. So there's a lot of brain work. I mean, my brain was fried after three hours of that yesterday. I had I had to go had a serious <laughs> glucose drop. And I had to go eat a huge <laughs> meal at the Cosmopolitan, and then uh, I, I almost stopped by Sincere's favorite casino on the way home, Rio, to play a couple hands. Oh, and I was God. like, why? I was like, why? Let's <laughs> no. go home on a good note. See, this is where people lose. This is where people screw up. They're, they're at, they they left on a good note, and they say, ah, let me just stop one more place. One then more. you lose everything, and then you go home going, man, yeah. if I just went home, I would have yep. kept everything. I'm such right. an idiot. That That's the Vegas conundrum right there. But, no, it's the same thing with training, man. I mean, the, the process is it, – it sounds like new age mumbo-jumbo when we say stuff like that. It's like, oh, yeah, process. You guys are a bunch of pussies. You don't want to cover this. No, I mean, it, it's – but – if you don't enjoy the process, you're not going to train for a long enough to make a high-level achievement. Right. Well, that, you know? that, was yeah. the point. that was the point I was going to bring up is the fact that when you're not constrained by this illusion of time, you can actually really figure out what's really going on. It won't just be a surprise. You get there and like, 
dang, man, how did I get this strong? Or what did I miss? Why, why am I missing this number? You know, I'm trying to get this within the next six weeks. What's the problem? Well, the problem is you're worrying about trying to get in the next six weeks, so you'll do every shortcut possible to get there because yep. you're not really breaking it down and understanding what little intricate movements or whatever it takes to get there is happening. You're not paying attention. You're not aware. You're not in the moment. Exactly. So, yeah, you can sit there and say it's hokey all you want, but that's the difference between the frustrated person that thinks it's hokey and the person who's thinking – like who's enjoying the journey, who gets in there happy, and they're not sitting there being let down by all these expectations that didn't happen for them, all these illusions. It's just yep. BS. Well, you know, sincere, sincere, when you start getting desperate, too, and you're like that, we know what happens when you're desperate. You make some real bad decisions. Stupid mistake. All, like, all, all, all of a sudden, somebody convinces you to put a vitamin C drip up your ass. To improve your <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> totally, man. Right, man I got I to hit 600, man, with this deadlift, man. Well, all right, drop your pants. What? Huh? Right, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> I always yeah. say that when I give you a lecture on hormone optimization, you know, the, the people are like in the palm of my hands. And I, I could say, hey, look, folks, take a tablespoon of sand, put it in your next protein shake. I guarantee you it's going <laughs> to drive your testosterone up by 50%. And someone's going to try it. I mean, I would never yep. do that. But I'm just saying, <laughs> someone's going to try it because that's how much people want to improve performance. <laughs> it's crazy, man. It's crazy. You know, I mean, it, it's it's like you said, Sincere. You know, I mean, it, it's about, you know, to, to – to be present, like, in what you're doing in the training and stuff like that and not living, you know, 12 weeks down the road or six six months down the road. I mean, yeah, I have a goal, you know, for, for, for the structure that, that it provides and stuff, but that, that's one I, – I think that's what I enjoyed most about competition is, you know, when you're going out, whether it's for your squat or your deadlift or you're in the middle of a, a long kettlebell set, you know, in competition, I mean, it just really brings your focus into the present. And I think that's why people get addicted to, to that kind of stuff or whether it's, you know, rock climbing or adventure sports because it, or, or you know, like Mike, you're playing cards. I mean, you're 100% focused on what you're doing. And with as busy as we are nowadays, you know, we don't really take the time to, to really kind of live, you know, right now because you're right. thinking about, you know, your meeting or your client or, or that program you got to write or the next, you know, meal you got to make or whatever. And that's why the, the competitive, you know, aspect of powerlifting or, or kettlebell lifting or adventure sports, I really think that's why it becomes so enjoyable for people because it forces you to let go of all the other crap that you're dealing with and it brings you 100% in the present. You know, I mean, it's, it's what you try to accomplish through meditation and, and, you know, those types of practices. You know, I mean, it's all, it's all the same thing. You know, it's just how you get to that, you know, that realization of, of kind of living right now, that, that's the important thing, you know, and, and, and I think that's why people find so much enjoyment, you know, in that kind of stuff. It's right. funny that you bring up meditation. And I know I've looked at your recent book, and you really tie all this together, nutrition, the physical training aspect, as well as the more integrative approach is also dealing with we're adding in the, the more spiritual aspect of it. And not spiritual like people think you're sitting there in a lotus position right. and you're trying to levitate right. or something like that. But actually just being in the moment and really being right there and being really focused and really tuning all the distractions of everything around you out so you can really get to where you want to be. So, Scott, I always have, cause I always have people come ask me about meditation because I talk about it all the time. I talked about it in the wellness code as well. And People ask, like, well, dude, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to meditate. I mean, I try to sit there, and I try to sit there quiet with my legs crossed, and my leg starts to go to sleep, and I don't know what to do. I'm just like, well, I'm like, well first of all, get in the chair and sit. Nobody yeah, you, nobody or, yeah. you know, or, you know, or just, just go outside and don't carry a Walkman or, or your MP3 player or anything or your phone and just walk. And if walk with your pet and just be very conscious of everything that's happening around you. Be aware. You hear birds 
chirping gopher. You hear trucks zooming by and dropping stuff and, you know, whether you hear traffic, you know, focus on all that instead of just trying to find some distraction or something like that. So my question to you is how do you help your clients or and also how do you go about your approach to meditation as well, especially when you have clients who might say, I can't do that. I don't know how to do that. I can't relax. Well, dude, I want to, but I don't, I don't, I don't know how to relax. I, I can't relax. Well, <laughs> how many how many people like like if you've worked with like uh you know business professionals or, or you know people that you know corporate america types and stuff like that i mean a while back it became such uh such a badge of honor to be like the workaholic you know exactly. i can take more i can take more i can take more you know i i, I you know i don't need to sleep sleeps for pussies you know i mean whatever i mean they get <laughs> yeah. that like you know and this is what's killing people man you know because they, they lose they, they lose that, that connection with, with who they really are, you know, and, and, and what, what we're really here to do, you know, and, and they just become so consumed with, you know, that aspect. And, and any time that you don't have balance, you know, you're setting yourself up for, for something bad. And there really is, I, I look at meditation two ways. Yeah, you, you can sit, you can be quiet, you can, try to, you can try to calm down your mind, you know, and not attach to thoughts and stuff like that. I look at that as almost like training. You know, I mean, it's, it's like getting in the gym and doing more reps and stuff like that. It's teaching you to calm down your mind right. and not to not, you know, you've got to come to terms with the fact thoughts are always going to be present in your mind. You know, you, you're designed to take in information, but it's the idea that as a thought comes in, you can let it go. You don't attach to it. You don't dwell on it. Because that's what rules people's lives. It's, it's, it's stressing about the future. It's regret over something they might have done in the past. And, and it keeps them from being 100% present. So what meditation allows you to do is to train your mind that, you know, when a thought comes in, you can just let it go. You don't right. attach to it. You know, it's that non-attachment. But the trick is, is how do you take that and carry it over into eating food or drinking water, exactly. having a conversation with somebody, doing your training? It's not, you know, meditation doesn't end when you get up off your, your meditation pillow. You know, you, you, you take that, that presence, that, that realization of, of what it's like to be truly in the present moment, apply that to other areas of your life, whether it's business, whether it's working with your clients, whether it's training, and then I really think you can start to enjoy life more because you're not on, you know, 101 miles an hour all the time just trying to do everything. You can really enjoy what you're doing. Well, you, you can know, actually see things in life. Yeah, you can actually see life actually happening for once. And it's always funny to go to a restaurant. And I, Mike and I spoke about this before. You're sitting there and you look around. Everybody at every table is looking at their phone. No one's talking to each other. <laughs> it's, or it's that one person without a phone. They're just sitting there looking lost. They're like, why is, no one's, why is no one talking to me? Because everyone's posting on Facebook, scrolling through the news feed. It's just funny. I always think like, okay, maybe they're not looking at, at Facebook. You get up, you go to the restaurant, walk by their table. Everybody's got that blue and white screen going. You know, there's that Facebook logo. And they're just thumbing up, thumbing up, scrolling up, scrolling up. Scrolling. I'm like, you have eight people at a table and only maybe one person here is not on their phone. That's a problem. That's the problem. And they're just kind of looking around like, okay. And then if you're e- they're eating and they're still scrolling through their phone while they're eating their food, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, come on, man. How can you enjoy that meal when YouTube is trying to see if Tommy broke up with Susie this week? You know, and then their status is now complicated. Like right now, well, a lot of that is also when people are sitting alone by themselves because they feel uncomfortable doing that. And I do it all the time because I travel so much. You're going to be alone. A lot of times you're going out and eating by yourself because that's 
it. You're traveling alone. <laughs> but uh, I see. I mean, I did that last night, and same thing that you're just talking about. But it, it's it's not only people that are by themselves that are doing that. It's people with their significant other, like you're talking about. It's people with like five friends together at a table, and they're all texting other people. It's like, well, why are you guys even out together? You <laughs> I'm know? like, thinking, sometimes I'm thinking, like, are they texting each other at the table? It's yeah, like, exactly. Hey, hey so and so next to me is an asshole. So and so next to me is an asshole. I wish you'd just go away. But once you say that, I would be like, say that out loud. Say what? What? Yeah. <laughs> you know what's great is you can't you're not allowed to use your cell phone when you play blackjack and people don't know yep. what to do like i mean people, <laughs> like idiots come over to the table and they start texting like oh i'm at the table and then pit boss comes over ma'am you got to get off your phone she's like what like you got to get off your phone so you can't have yeah, your phone they, on the table and she just well, looks at this guy the deck, well, when they shuffle everybody gets up from the table steps back three feet yeah, and yeah. Out the yeah. Table. <laughs> it's like wow are you that like, important like, I, I just like, kind of yeah, sit there exactly. leaning on the table or maybe well, did they pass, pass or something and everybody has to step back like whoa what the hell everything you guys just said about meditation that's exactly what me playing blackjack is like honestly because you can't get on your phone I don't want to get on my phone anyway that's the whole point of going but you mm -hmm. can't even if you wanted to and if, if you're counting cards and keeping track of everything, you have to be in the moment because otherwise you're going to lose all totally. that. And guess so what? Ironically, and that is meditation. And that's yeah, exactly. Cell phone, that's that's what, meditation. Exactly. And that's what I love exactly. about, you know, Deepak Chopra. Oprah asked him, like, how, how, how often do you meditate? I'm meditating right now. And she just looked so, she looked so confused, but I got what he was yeah. saying because he was so yep. into what she was saying. He was into their conversation. He was giving her eye contact. He was hanging on yeah. her every word. And that, and that just yep. really threw her off. Her eyes just that's lit tough. up like, what does that even that mean? That sounds like a total pickup line. How are you meditating? <laughs> I'm meditating right now. <laughs> I'm so focused on you right now. It's a meditation. Exactly. <laughs> Love Love. No, that's cool. No, but that, that stuff is so true. And, and most people, like Scott, you were saying, they're, they're thinking about stuff they did, which you can't do anything about, right? Past is dead. Future's not here. All you have is right now. Or they're thinking about problems that are probably never going to happen. Exactly. And if they do, you'll deal with it then. then. But most right. likely, it's probably not going to happen. So, and I mean, I think probably would most if you hadn't thought about them. Yeah, most exactly. of them, they, they create them. It's like, well, since I'm thinking exactly. about the problem. And then exactly. all of a sudden, they attract that problem. When it probably wouldn't have been one in the first place if you hadn't been so focused on it. Like, <laughs> you, you can call it new age all you want, but, dude, you're going to attract what you focus on. If you focus on the, all, everything going wrong, your bills not getting paid, you're not making any money, you will find ways to make sure that your bills won't get paid and you won't make any money so you can have something to justify what you were thinking. So you can exactly. say, like, see, I told you. I told you. Exactly. <laughs> well, you like, know, if you walk sure. around and you're like, ever, like, you know what, I bet everyone's going to be a dick today when I go out. And then and you so you're going to walk around with this look on your face yeah, like dick you're face. a dick. <laughs> <laughs> everyone's going to be a dick to you. You're going to be like, man, see, I knew it. Got <laughs> <You know? laughs> on a totally different subject. I, just, I, was, I was doing a little bit of typing because I wanted to make sure I, I had asked you these questions. But uh, what, one thing I'm curious about, because I just got into it going on a totally different tangent here, is deficit deadlifts. Have you ever used those? And if yes, what was your experience with them? Um, I actually just did them the other day, man. I, I, uh, I, I tend to do, especially my, uh, lately with my deadlifting, I, I generally work deadlifts twice a week. And uh, right now I'm doing kind of a lighter, I mean, if you want to call it speed work or whatever. Um, I do that on the day that I, I do my squats on, on my Monday session. And I generally do most of my speed pulls from a deficit. Um, in the past, you know, when I was powerlifting, I definitely, I, I worked them into, I, I was following more of what you would consider a west side barbell type of, you know, template in that I had, you know, the max effort day, the dynamic effort day and all that, and I definitely worked deficit deadlifts into my rotation. You know, what I found, Mike, was my lifts got better 
when I didn't just focus on exercises that allowed, to, allowed me to use more super maximal loads. You know, I had training partners that always wanted to do, like, reverse band squats or reverse band deadlifts or pin pulls or, you know, right. all these things that, that could, you know, and, and I said, I think you guys are missing the boat. You know, I said, I think we really need to, to work some movements in that allow us to, to build, you know, kind of some of the weaker points. And, and I really loved, you know, the deficit deadlifts as a result. And generally what I would try to do is I would try to take a max off of a two-inch box and a four-inch box. And those, those were the two, uh, the, the two that I worked. Four-inch. Um, brutal i started doing four inch off a four inch box just this past two inches not that bad i did that yesterday but four inch that's that's like a toy it doesn't even feel like you're deadlifting anymore it feels like you're trying to pull a heavy person out of a well you know i mean it's it's, i'm telling you man (laughs) sincere if you've never tried it dude it's like the first couple i mean i'm I'm like 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 most people the sticking point for me is off the ground right like if i can get it to the just below the knee, I'm going to finish it, no problem. But getting it off now, sometimes. Do you, sometimes do you pull, uh, do you pull conventional? Uh, are you a conventional? I do, I do. I yeah, pull yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. a mixed group guy, yeah. Yeah, and no, I've seen, no. yeah, I've seen Mike start to really get into that, and I've seen like a couple of my other friends who are really into Olympic lifting, and, and I've seen them when they're adding that into their, their training program. So it's, it's, been, it's been really striking my curiosity. Especially, but you know, now that you guys talk about the four inch, now it makes me even more curious because I'm just I'm a little retarded like that. I'm like, oh, really? So <laughs> that's so that's gonna be the harder one right there. So big pulling somebody big out of a well. Yeah, I think I'm actually gonna go try that now because it's just, no, it's just that challenge right there. Like, your core feels like it's about to break because you're being split I mean, wide I, open. I, you know, honestly, it may be my favorite core exercise because my core was so sore the next day after that, like you wouldn't believe because you you have to brace so hard just to get that bar yep. moving. And then you gotta it feels then you gotta stay with it for a while. I mean, the, the the lift feels like it. One repetition just feels like it takes forever. You, you've increased the range of motion so much that it just feels. And I'm a tall guy already, long arms, long legs, and it it just feels like it takes forever to get that bar from the floor to lock out. But I like it, man. I think it's gonna have a nice carryover. Yeah. My regular deadlift. Yeah, definitely. It's a good good lift for sure. Especially if especially if you're having issues off the ground, man. It's it's definitely right. help that. That's what I figured because I started doing lift. I started doing deadlifts off the pins, like you were talking about, just below the knee. And initially, I, w- I was actually weaker on that than off the floor, which kind of surprised me. And then now I'm stronger than that off the floor, so it doesn't have as much use to what my sticking point is, which is off the floor. Yeah. You know, I mean, if I can get it to just below the knee, I'm going to lock it out. So I don't really need to work that range that much. But the deficit, I definitely. Do, I mean, it definitely exposed or reinforce my theory about what my weak link is. So it's, it's a perfect exercise for me to work on. I still think I need to keep the standard deadlift in at least once a week because what I find is I'm, my, my strength is very specific. If I take something out for too long, even if it's only slightly different, I kind of lose the groove there. So I think if I do deficit one day and then just standard another day, that'll be a good sure. fit. Yeah, I, I, I do something similar. You know, I, I'll, do, uh, I'll, I'll do my uh, lighter my lighter, you know, work on Monday and I'll, I'll do like speed pulls or something with, with chains or against bands. And I, I usually stand on a, a two inch, two inch platform right now when I do them and I'll, I'll use a conventional stance there. And then I, I'm a, I'm a sumo deadlifter. Uh, and then on Thursdays I'll do, you know, my heavier sumo deadlifting. And then I'll usually do like some type of accessory exercise, whether it's a, you know, reverse band deadlift or, you know, maybe a rack pull or something like that, just something to work kind of the top end. And, and I'll usually do that for a couple of sets of three to five, you know, to, to finish up the heavy work. And, and that's right. been working pretty good right now. So, God, Let me ask you, how do you feel when you're doing a sumo deadlift? Do you feel like you're kind of losing power, man, when you have your just with that nah. stance? I feel like I'm not getting the 
everything in there, you know, with the sumo, with the sumo deadlift, is compared <laughs> to like uh, conventional. It just seems like it almost seems like sometimes I feel like I'm cheating <laughs> when I'm doing the sumo. It's like uh, it's, I don't know, man. Maybe it's just me because uh, again, I'm like I'm shorter but with longer arms. So then that's that. I still have those issues with the sticking point right there as well that Mike was talking about. So I have like Mike problems, but not with the Mike body. That's terrible, man. <laughs> I have tall people so you, you at least want to have the mic body if you're going to have the mic tall. <laughs> <the> body. <laughs> no, you know, you know what? Uh, since sumo just never felt – I mean, I've never spent enough time on it, honestly, to give a fair assessment, but I've just, yeah. just having played around with it, it, it never felt that comfortable, no, although it, it, it would make sense that that would be the ideal way for me to deadlift because it would certainly decrease the range of motion so I don't have to you know, pull the bar as far. Right. I, I think a lot of times, you know, like your uh, stronger and weaker points also tend to uh, tend to dictate, you know, what stance is better. Like, like right. my lower back is is much weaker than my hips, mm-hmm. and you know, I, I just I, I've got very mobile hips, and I can get into a really good sumo position. And if it puts my back in a really just more of a mechanically advantageous position, I, I, I just I feel a lot better. You know, I'm not, I still work the conventional. You know, I mean, I still do a lot of lower back work, but that's my lower back was always my my weak point in the desert. That makes perfect. And yeah. it just yeah, it just it felt more natural. Now I, I don't. I've got two different sumo stances though. When when I'm lifting in gear, I'm going a lot wider. I mean, my feet are almost out at the plates. Now when when I've got the gear off. I'm doing more of a uh, more of an in between, you know. I mean, my my, fo- my my shins are actually posted vertically, so my feet are a little bit closer. It's still a sumo stance, but it's not. It, it's really similar to uh, how Ed Cohn used to do his his sumo stance. You know, he wasn't super wide like a lot of the lifters, but he was still definitely in a in a sumo stance. It just wasn't a really really wide uh, stance. And I mean, I, I think from a structural uh, standpoint, especially if you're not lifting in gear, bringing your feet in just a little bit. Uh, definitely, uh, definitely helps out with, with the sumo stance. Right. Yeah. I'm the opposite of you. I think my my back is definitely stronger than hips. Oh, I, saw, I saw you pull. Yeah. I, I saw that video you posted a, a while back where you pulled. I don't know if it was five or five twenty or something. But I mean, shit, you you almost looked like you straight legged it, man. I was like, damn, yeah. that's back. Well, the, that that that's what I'm trying to avoid because I I naturally go to like a straight leg or Romanian style. So I'm trying to load up the legs more and and keep my hips low. And come up a little bit slower. That's one thing I'm working on quite a bit now because otherwise, that that's what it, like when I get when you get to those last few reps where you're you're not you're not focused on technique anymore. You're just trying to get the bar off the ground. I naturally go to that position. So that's what I'm trying to avoid. Donna, one thing I'm curious about is what what do you what do you do pre workout meal and post workout recovery meal if you do any of that? Yeah, um, I, I mean, I, I don't you know I don't get too bent out of shape about like amounts of protein and carbs and, you know, fats and stuff like that, you know, so I, I don't, you know, follow any, like, specific, uh, specific, you know, ratios or anything like that. Generally, my, my pre-training meal just tends to be whatever I had for lunch because I'm generally working out in the, uh, you know, early afternoon, you know, mid-afternoon, because that's usually kind of my, uh, my doldrums. Most of my clients are in the morning and then the later afternoon and evenings. So I, I generally get my personal stuff done in you know early mid afternoon. So you know generally if I yeah, I'm eating lunch, it's it's like I said usually rice and beans with some greens in it or something like that. Or I mean I might you know I, I'll keep some uh, Ezekiel or some like uh, sprouted like a, a spell you know bread or something like that in, in the gym. So I might make a quick you know nut butter sandwich or something like that. And uh, so that's generally you know a fast lunch for me. And that's typically what I'm having prior to uh, prior to training. 
Uh, I do like to have a little bit of coffee every now and then. So, you know, I usually have an early afternoon coffee, you know, right about that time. And then I, uh, then I hit, hit my workout. After my workout, I'll generally do another uh, smoothie with uh, – I've been drinking a lot of, like, either an almond milk, strawberry, banana, you know, blend, or uh, I'll, I'll make an uh, almond milk, uh, throw some nut butter in there, and then, you know, throw some banana in there. And uh, th- those, are, those are two of my, uh, two of my favorites right now. I'm not really, uh, not really doing much in the way of, like, protein powder. I, I, I'm right. – Kind of wean myself off that. Just I, I used to drink a lot of it, and I'm working with this guy right now who's made some exceptional progress. He's a he's a hip hop artist. Uh, he, he's part of the duo Dead Prez. Um, yeah, sure. Oh cool. yeah, oh, thick, oh, the thick man. Yeah, yeah, thick, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, he 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 wrote an article cool. in our book. Yeah. yeah, he's a cool, oh, cool guy. He's down here in Atlanta, and he uh, after after the book published, you know, he and I he and I was started talking, and he said, you know, he, he's a runner. He, he's he's yes, a tall, he lanky guy. <laughs> And right. he's like, I, I want to put on, want to put on 20 pounds. You know, he said, I just want to put on 20 pounds. I want to fill out my upper body a little bit. He said, Do you think I can do it? Uh, you know, keeping my, keeping my distance running in, and doing nothing but a whole food vegan diet. No powders, no pills, nothing. And I said, I think you could do anything you want to do. And 20 pounds, really, especially for for his size, you know, his frame. He, he's a skinny dude. I'm like, we could put yeah. 20 pounds on you fast. You know. I said, yeah. I said, if you train right and you make sure you're getting the right, right calories, absolutely. So, we, you know, that, that was our project. And, uh, you know, he said, all right, I want to do it in four months. And we knocked it out in, in just about three. Uh, he put on 20 pounds. He was hammering down the calories. You know, his problem was he wasn't doing any of the big compound lifts. Right. You know, when he was training, he was training more like a boxer, you know, doing a lot of footwork, you know, right. not a lot of squatting, not a lot of deadlifting, just doing a lot of benching and stuff like that. So I introduced him to squat, and I introduced him to, uh, you know, deadlifting. Um, we still did a lot of pressing and some of the bodybuilder work, and, you know, we put 20 pounds on him. That it seemed like it was overnight, and he's, he's, mm. we're actually getting him cut up right now, you know, so he can oh, cool. kind of display it all. But he's, he's actually doing a tour right now, um, so we're kind of corresponding online and stuff. But, uh, yeah, he's a cool guy. But, but so, you know, I, I looked at what he accomplished and just doing it through, through whole, whole food, plant-based approach, and I thought, you know, I, I want to try to go – you know, just, just 100% whole food for a while, get off the powders, you know, get off the supplements and stuff, and just kind of see, experiment a little bit, see how I feel, you know, kind of experiment with some different foods and, and, and really try to get my whole food nutrition intact before I start looking at adding back in supplements because, you know, I mean, you know, Mike, I mean, if, if your diet's not in check, you know, supplements really, they're not going to do much for you anyway. I mean, that's, right, that's right. not the case, no, you know. Absolutely. No, also, I think it's important. I think that's a good experiment because that's always a common criticism, right? It's like, oh, well, you guys just eat a lot of protein powder. Otherwise, it wouldn't work. So now you get, right. to, now you get to show that, hey, well, the protein powder is useful, but it's not like vegetarian athletes are the only ones who take protein powder. You know, pretty yeah. much everyone I know takes protein powder, whether they eat meat or not. Or, or I, I, love the, I love the, yeah, well, you know, he's probably on the sauce or something like that. Yeah, yeah the, guys who, the guys who eat the meat don't do the sauce eating. You know, I mean, they're, they're, they're drug-free. You know, they, they don't dab it at all with anabolics, Well, you know what's right? funny? Usually it's always some, some out-of-shape dude, when he sees anyone – 
that right. has a little bit of muscle on them, they think they're juicy. You know, it's like, oh, yeah. look at him. Yeah, he, well, look at him. He's roided, he's roided out. Oh, because I don't sit on my ass all day and, and sit there and be an Internet troll and just sit there, yeah. you, know, eat, you know, eating all this processed crap from drive through Shut yeah, up. It's another way to not take responsibilities. Like, <laughs> well, that, well, I could be strong, too, if I were willing to do that. Like, no, you yeah. Can't. <laughs> it's like, yeah. <laughs> no like, shit, you, Sherlock. You, you could barely pull your <laughs> pants up in the morning, probably. All right. Don't worry about you know what I'm doing. I always laugh about that one, too. I was like, have you seen my skin, man? I don't have a blemish on my body, man, all right? I'm not taking anything. There's no pits in my face. There's no (laughs) acne on my back, you know what I mean? It's like I don't have any back need, any of that stuff. I don't have any of the signs of anabolic use. I actually wanted to ask one question in terms of your business, Scott. Um, And I noticed that you're really into helping a lot of folks around Atlanta with corporate wellness programs. And... I, do you think that corporate wellness programs is like this untapped market by a lot of fitness pros out there? And also, and what's the important, you know, what, how do you see the importance of having corporate wellness programs, you know, for companies and what, what are they and what are they not? So I guess it's like a three-part question. Yeah, no, it's definitely something that I'm starting to explore a little bit more, especially with kind of the state of the, the healthcare industry right now. You know, I yeah. mean, I, I know a lot of companies are starting to look at different types of incentives and stuff like that for engaging in different types of company-sponsored uh, health and wellness. And w- when I was doing my degree in college, you know, I, I did a little bit of, uh, I, I did a little bit of uh, studying on the whole corporate wellness thing. I mean, that was a section of one of the classes that I took. And it really is, I, I think it really is a good market, um, particularly, like I said, with the state of the healthcare industry right now. So it's something that I've been exploring a lot more. And I actually just had a client contact me yesterday about she, she – uh, she has a client who has a business. They, they've got about 75 people, and she's wanting to start out, you know, with like a little lunch and learn type deal. And I think it's a lot of these like smaller and mid-sized, you know, because I mean, if you're talking about something like Coca-Cola, you know, they've got mm. an insane corporate wellness program. They've got an awesome training facility. They've got exercise physiologists that they employ. I mean, you know, it's top notch. I mean, I, I'm talking about these smaller companies that are, you know, maybe, you know, 700 people up to about 1,000, 1,200 people that don't have the means, you know, to, to have a huge state-of-the-art fitness center. So I think that may be a really good market for, especially for the, the private trainer who's looking at really expanding their, uh, their services because I, I think, you know, in talking with a lot of people that a lot of these companies, they're setting aside money or, or they're trying to do some things to incentivize, you know, their clients to take part in a company-sponsored program because the, the, the data is there. The statistics are there. I mean, you can go research and find all kinds of stuff that shows for every dollar, you know, a company spends on a corporate wellness program, they can expect, you know, $3 or $6 or $8 in return through increased productivity, you know, fewer sick claims, fewer sick days, you know, fewer healthcare claims and stuff like that. So I think that stuff's becoming more and more important uh, for, you know, companies to, uh, to take a look at because of the state of the healthcare industry. So it's something that I, I've really just been kind of getting into as far as, you know, services and stuff like that. But I, I really do think that there's a, a good market out there for it. Definitely, yeah. The timing is just right, like you said, with the state of healthcare right now, and a lot of people are losing their insurance. There are some people with their insurance rates are going up, even for corporations. And this is a perfect time because one thing about it: yeah. if the rates are going up. The last thing you want to do is waste it on someone, on an employee that's constantly sick because they're not taking care of themselves. Well, and, and they need they need that education. You know, I mean, healthcare really starts with what you put in your mouth and what you put your body through, you know, and I mean, I, I, I don't want to get into a big debate about, you know, is Scott anti-medicine, anti, you know, I mean, I, I right. think there's a, a time and a place for everything, but it doesn't right. matter, you know, what you're doing medically, 
if you're putting shit in your body. You know, if you're right. not eating the things that help help your cells, you know, rebuild, if you help your muscle tissue rebuild, if you're not getting the proper rest, if you're not, you know, drinking enough water, if you're not de-stressing and doing all those things that you have control of, it doesn't, you know, nothing else matters, man. I mean, it, it, you, know, you can take all the, all the drugs you want. I mean, and nothing's going to fix you. Yeah, it may make you feel a little bit better, this, that, and the other, but, I mean, you're not fixing the problem, you know. Start at square one. And, and exhaust all possibilities, you know, and, and I think that's what these these people that particularly like in in that, you know, we talked a little bit earlier about the whole, you know, I'm balls to the wall, I work 20 hours a day, I'm hardcore, I don't sleep, I don't eat, you know, I'm a badass, you know, that, 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 that's only going to get you so far, man, pretty soon you're going to have to start taking care of yourself and these people need you to an early, early grave is where it'll get you. <laughs> but your headstones don't say that. I was a badass. I worked, you know, <laughs> I, went, yeah. I went balls to the wall. You know, now I'm a slave yeah. to the grave, bitch. Boom. I, I, I pissed into my boss's cup for 20 years. You know, look where it got. <laughs> exactly. Well, you exactly. guarantee that CEO is not going balls to the wall. He's somewhere playing golf in Costa Rica or something like that while you're working, slaving 70 hours a week yeah. and claiming, you know, that you never get any sleep. He's, he's, he's good. He's meditating, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's good. He's doing, a, he's doing a meditation retreat in India somewhere right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, that's a good thing to bring up right now because, again, right now at the time of this show is February, and for a lot of fitness professionals, it's, things are slacking off now. January is over, so that rush is pretty much dying off. People are disappearing, and now what that means to them is that their income is starting to dwindle a little bit, and now they're thinking, like, okay, what do I do now? Well, especially when you're working with one-on-ones only or something like that, well, now here's another alternative right here. Here's an, another untapped market. I mean, it's funny. This has been something that's been brought up for, like, the last 10, maybe 12 years that I've been in the industry about corporate wellness, and still it has not exploded the way it could have as far as from fitness no. professionals. It's like there's still this market. Because I think when they hear corporate, people get afraid. They're like, well, I'm not qualified enough to go to this corporation or they don't have time. This, they're di- Man, dude, literally, they're dying for these programs. It's just yep. somebody just needs to bring the right program to them and make it make sense for them at the same time why it makes sense for you as a business owner. And, that's and the only think thing. outside the box a little bit about it, man. I mean, if you're, you know, if you're, you know, I know a lot of people who are like, well, I just don't have the time to travel down to a company and train there and then travel to another one, travel to another one. Okay, well, you know, set up referral fees, network a little bit. You know, maybe, maybe you, you, you take it hands-on. You know, maybe you go to the company and you work with a couple people who volunteer to be like the company's corporate fitness representatives, and, and you teach them how to do, you know, maybe some type of group workout on site or something. I mean, you right. could do some, something create. I mean, these people, you know, you don't need to train them like Olympic athletes. They just need to start moving their body right. every day. Right. and stressing their body. I mean, getting up and, and doing some push-ups and, and squats and, and, you know, lifting some dumbbells or kettlebells, I mean, it doesn't need to be intense, and these people are going to get benefit from it. You know, I mean, they're, 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 they're dying <laughs> to be yeah. fit, you know, literally, yeah. you know. Exactly. So, yeah, it just, just give them some type of structure, something, just give them a boost and get them going. And even after that, even just go and do a demonstration, doesn't mean you have to be with them 24-7. Then you can set up. Not at all. You, you, I mean, there are programs out there where you can set it up and keep them accountable. That's what they need is accountability. They need some kind of structure and accountability, something to get them going. And they already have, they have the, the force of people around them. If everyone around them is doing it, then, hey, that accountability factor is already kicking in. And well, guys, uh, I'll, I'll tell you what the negatives are with all this, just to – play devil's advocate here because I have done some work with corporations and so forth. I mean, I've done a lot of lectures with corporations and so forth. Here, here's the negative versus promoting stuff yourself and, and attracting people that are, are fans of your work. Okay, when people come to my workshop, 
captive audience. They want to be there. They know who I am, very educated on what I do. They're fans of me usually. So they're very easy to work with, very enthusiastic. You don't have to motivate them at all. You go talk to a bunch of people in the corporation office, generally they have, they have no clue who the hell you are. They don't want to be there as part of a job requirement, right? It's like you guys have to go to this meeting and listen to this guy. And yep. so, you, so, you're, so you're dealing with a lot of people with their arms folded and you know, checking, they're trying to check their text and just kind of rolling their eyes and stuff like that. I'm not saying that you can't turn those people around. You can, but that's often what you have to be prepared to do. So this right. is one of those. Oh, now, yeah. for me personally, it's not, a, it's not a fit for my personality at all. So, I mean, I don't even – but I'm a guy who's very into creating all my distribution. You know, I make my own supplements, sell direct to the customer, make my own books, make my own e-books, run my own high-traffic website, promote my own courses. That's my personality type. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. It's just what works best for me. When you deal with the corporation-type people, you're going to have to – be way more diplomatic than you can be when you do stuff on your own. Like a lot of the stuff that I say at my workshops, I, I would get kicked out for sexual harassment. Oh, oh, HR be all over you. HR be all over you, and not in a good way either. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, right. It's hard to get out of there. Like every time, like, oh, you guys just say that. Well, guess what? Uh, Port Cherokee, you do that, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I, I'm just saying, I'm not saying don't go pursue it. I'm just saying that realize that it's not going to be like the people that – come to a course that you've promoted and are fans of your exactly. work. It's going to be a yeah. totally different experience, man. I promise you that. And these are people exactly. who, who honestly, they don't give a fuck about being in shape or fit. They're sitting there and probably going to go smoke a cigarette after you've done lecturing. They're in that room listening to you because they have to be, because their job, their boss said, go listen to this dude. I've done it for the government. I've done it for corporations. I'm telling you, every single time it's been maybe three or four people are really into it. The rest of them are not. You can turn some of them around. My attitude, though, is I'm not trying to convince anything, anyone of anything, especially at this stage of my career. You know, I mean, my attitude is I've got great information. If you don't appreciate it, then go fuck yourself. You know, I'm not going to waste my time trying to shove it down your fat ass. So it's, that's just my personality type with this. Anyway, just a food for thought there. <laughs> it just reminds me. It just kind of reminds me. I was watching. Um, Google has like these videos on YouTube when they have these speakers come in and speak to folks at the Google campus. And I remember, and now I'm a big fan of Marianne Williamson, so it's not per se about training, but just even just on self-development. But just if she even catered it, she even used a language in which they could understand, but you could just kind of see these folks just looking. And they weren't getting it because I'm just like, oh, God. I'm like, who set this up? Who would bring Marianne, who would bring Marianne Williamson to talk to these people? And, you know, you could see maybe two people that were into it, but everybody else was like, they just have the Scooby-Doo look on their face, like, and they went, just couldn't get it, man. So you, the comments are the best, though, on that YouTube page. On the, on the, because you see all the people that are into Marianne, they're like, who set her up for this? It's like you, People kind of come to her rescue like, oh, my God, why would they do this to her and have them go speak to these folks? I'm like, yeah, you got a lot of these people who are just straight up just, they're, they're programmers. And that's all they, if you were speaking programming, these guys would probably be super excited. We're probably having woodies if you were talking about C++ or something like that, or, you know, or talking about Linux or something like that. But, yeah, man, exactly. she's talking about taking control of your life and, you know, and being, you know, being very in tune with yourself. And in the moment, all they're like, huh, what? Can, can, I, can I program that? They, they don't want to take charge of their life. Otherwise, they wouldn't be working there. You know, so, <laughs> so I'm not surprised exactly. that, message went over, yeah. that message went over their head. It's like you're an employee at some lame corporation, man. You're not looking to take charge of your life. So it's just right. there's a no, no doubt they're sitting there going, who cares about that? But, I mean, but you know what? You know, you know, I mean, if you want to do this kind of stuff with, a, with an audience that's really going to appreciate what you have to say, military, firefighters, police officers. Those are three great groups. I've done lectures with all three of those. Always respectful. 
most of the time they're in the physical training for obvious reasons, mm -hmm. and especially when you're talking about hormonal health, they're really interested in that kind of stuff. But bottom line is they're always going to be respectful. They're not going right. to sit there and text while you're talking or scribble or you know, whisper in their neighbor's ear a little joke. <laughs> you know, yeah. Whenever I see someone do that, I'm like, oh, care to share that with the rest oh, of yeah. us? Oh, yeah, you know, funny? that's me. I'm, I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm old school. Guess how my teachers yeah. were. I'll be just like, oh. Uh, Mr. Mr. Asshole, would you like to share the joke with the rest of everybody else here? Because you're such a funny dude, and this dude actually thinks you're funny. I, hey, I like, I like to laugh. I like people that are funny. Make me laugh, motherfucker. Well, you know, you know, Mark, like, uh, Daniel Jackson, but again, motherfucker, I'm there. I'm double there. Well, you, you know, Mike, you, you, you know, that you, what, what you talked about, like, like, you know, how people are, are, you know, not interested and stuff like that, you know, that, it's kind of funny because that's exactly what, allowed me to make the decision not to pursue being like a uh, team strength coach. You know, back in the day when I was finishing up my degree, you know, there was a point in time where I thought I wanted to go, I wanted to go the team route, you know, finish my degree, uh, start, you know, being a strength coach, you know, grad assistant, you know, do the whole thing and eventually maybe make it to a pro team or something like that. So one of the, one of the class assignments that I had when I was working on my, my, uh, my degree was, to go interview somebody in a field that you want to work. So I, I knew the guy that was doing uh, ART therapy for the Falcons at the time. And I had actually tried to get, because I, I, I liked hockey way more than I liked football, and I wanted to see if he could get me into the Atlanta Thrashers uh, strength conditioning and, and with the strength coach so I could, you know, monitor, maybe do an interview, kind of see how he trains the athletes. And they, they were just doing so poorly at the time. He said it's not going to be a good good time. He said, but what I can do is if you want to go to the Falcons, I can get you in there because they were just starting their, uh, their preseason camp. And I said, yeah, you know, I'll take whatever I can get. I've got to do this project. So I'm thinking that, you know, I'm going to go into this pro football team strength conditioning facility. I'm going to see these guys just killing it. You know, just like like it's going to be the greatest thing on earth, you know. And, man, I left so disappointed thinking wow. like, wow, I'm watching some of these linemen squat going, I could work in and probably outwork a lot of these guys. This is not cool, you know. I'm watching a lot of these guys, and they're just kind of jerking off and, and not really doing anything. And, yeah, there were some guys in there really, you know, training hard and moving some weight, and, you know, they, they really gave a shit. But what I learned was a lot of those guys don't care, man. You know, they've, they've gotten their contract. They made the money. You know, yeah. that environment was so depressing, man. I was like, yeah, screw this, man. I'm, I'm going to go private. That way if somebody wants to come pay me money, you know, they're, they're, they're going to be interested in it. You know, yeah, I mean, they, right. they the want one, to The ones who seek it out, because a lot, of, a lot of professional athletes, they get paid to work out. That's part of their right. contract, right? But yeah. it's the ones who actually are willing to go beyond that and seek out someone like you who are going to be really worth your time because my, my coach, Mark Phillippe, deals with people like that all the time. These are people who are going, look, I don't want the standard strength coach bullshit that I get for free or I get paid to do. I want to go seek the best because I want to be the best. And then he, so he attracts a totally different kind of animal, just dedicated athletes who want to perform at a high level. Yep. yep. Yeah, you're not going to have to deal with them. You know, I mean, because for every one guy that was in there, you know, training like he gave a shit, there was five that were just kind of like, eh, you know, whatever, you know. Yeah. And it was, just, yeah. it was really, uh, it was really. People are shocked about that with a lot of professional athletes. A lot of MMA athletes are like that too, not necessarily with sports-specific stuff. But with strength and conditioning, I've, I've sat in on, on many different people working out, and they're just half-assing them. And half the time, they're texting somebody in between a hammer strength machine exercise. You know, and I'm just like, man, this is a laid-ass workout. And this, and this guy's focus on it. He's, I'm not going to name names, but I've seen a couple, quite a few MMA fighters that when it comes to strength and conditioning stuff, 
one, they're not very strong, which surprised me, but two, they're, they're not even, fo- more important than that is they're not focused on, at all on what they're doing. They're just going through the motions, kind of dicking around. I was like, wow, I can't I, I don't believe think, it. I mean, don't you think, though, that that, that specific, you know, uh, sport, that strength and conditioning, and, and, and I mean, you know, I, I hate to use the term, but, but I mean, you know, using, you know, general training means to bring up other physical qualities to enhance a sport. You know, if we talk about right. it like that, don't you think that that sport is still kind of in the dark ages, though? Because yeah, a, lot of the, a lot of the trainers, you know, first of all, most from of that boxing dark, dark ages, you know, boxing, even in the yeah. boxing world now, it's like, don't lift weights, it's going to make you muscle right. bound. And, you know, they still, they still sing that song, let's just do hundreds of push-ups every day, that's the best thing, yeah. do rub work, which is always well, useful. Cardio, cardio circuits, you know, it's, it's right, always got right. to be circuit training, circuit training. They're doing nothing to bring right, up their right. strength. They're doing nothing to bring no. up the power. And, you know, I mean, yeah, some of the guys, like, I, I interviewed uh, Shane Carwin a few years ago after he, uh, right after he beat Frank Mir, and he oh, got wow. the, uh, the interim title, uh, yeah. you know, and then yeah, he was, he was going to fight Lesnar, well, Lesnar, yeah, I think it was UFC yeah. 111, I mean, he just demolished Mir, I mean, you want to talk about a powerhouse, this guy can hit, and uh, he, uh, I was like, wow, that, that guy, you know, I want to talk to that guy, because he's doing something that a lot of these other guys aren't doing because his, his, his striking is devastating. So yeah. when I talked to him, of course, he, he was an NCAA football player who almost went to the NFL. He, oh, yeah. he had a back injury that kept him on it, but he was projected to go in like the fifth round or some shit. So he, he, was, he was still doing, you know, the squats and the deadlifts and the presses and the power cleans and the plyometrics, and, and he was training like he did, you know, when he was, uh, when he was an NCAA football player, an NCAA wrestler. He, he understood right. You know the the reason why you train strength, and it wasn't you know he was doing like like three hours a week, you know three three one hours. It wasn't like he was like wasting his time in the gym or whatever. And yeah. uh, you know he was doing a little low intensity cardio work, you know, to help with you know recovery and, and stuff like that. I mean he had a very he had a very smart physical preparation program, and, and you don't see that with a lot of these guys. I think because the high I think, end guys, yeah, I think the high end guys tend to be smart like that. Like GSP, GSP looks like yeah. he has a pretty good, yeah. GSP's yeah. coach is one of Paula Quinn's mentors, actually, his strength coach, and a guy named Pierre. I think his last name is Roy, but he's a, he's, a, he's associated yeah, yeah, yeah. with Paula Quinn in one way or another. Right. And I've, I, what, I, what I've seen of GSP's training looks really good. Not, not the stuff he sells, not those crappy-ass videos, right. but like stuff he <laughs> oh, actually yeah. does. Hey, hey, Mike. Stuff he actually does. Oh, Mike, buy it with your money. <laughs> Mike, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> No, well, that's, I mean, that stuff looks good. And I, I saw a bunch of UFC fighters train at Philippines, like my Frank Mir. You know, Frank Mir's physique changed like night and day when he started training with oh, Mark. He cute. used to be kind of pudgy and no muscle, and then he got pretty big yeah. and strong when he was training with Mark. Gray Maynard was over there all the time, pretty strong guy, very dedicated. You know, my friend Dale Hart was over there, and Dale, Dale was a very dedicated – Dale was actually a very good fighter, but when it came to strength and conditioning, Mark always had to tell this guy to shut up. He'd be like, Dale, go do the exercise mid talk, you know? It's like <laughs> that guy walked in, Mark would be like, oh, God, here comes Dale fucking Hart, you know? It's like, yeah. He'd be like, Dale, do the exercise, shut up, stop asking me questions. But what's funny is uh, – some of, the, some of the MMA guys would joke with me going, man, you know, whenever we need a break, we just start asking Mark a lot of questions so he forgets that, uh, you know, we have a next set coming up. And I was like, well, I mean, you're doing yourself a disservice, but, too, he knows you're doing that, and he's not, he's not going to let you get away with that, man. But it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of like that mentality. Yeah. yeah. It's just, I mean, it's, it's, it's in the dark. And I think, too, a lot of it, unless you're a top guy and, and you got the cash to go somewhere else, I mean, most of these guys, they're, you know, they got to make do with what they have. And, I mean, some of the, you know, they're fighting. Well, the problem also there, because I, 
I, I tried to train a lot of MMA guys when I first got into kettlebells, actually, because I thought it was a perfect fit. So I'm in Los Angeles going to all the different gyms like Rod, Beverly Hills, Jiu-Jitsu Club, and so forth. And people were cool, but they, they, their attitude was more, you know, we're not going to pay for this. You know, if you, right. you want to train us, that's fine. Pay for that stuff. You, you're, you're working with us. It's going to help build your name. And my attitude is right. maybe, but it's not going to help me pay my bills. And I live mm-hmm. in Santa Monica, so I don't have time to wait with that, waste with that. Exactly. And right. so I didn't, I didn't mess around with that. But this, I, I think the mistake a lot of trainers make is they're willing to train all these athletes for free, thinking that's going to build their name. And it doesn't work, man. The, the general, the everyday people is where you're going to pay your bills. I mean, I, I yep. can't hammer that point enough. It's not the celebrities. It's not the athletes. It's not all nope. these pros. It's everyday people that nobody knows that are going to pay your bills. So that's but, guess what you notices, to but guess who notices that? Everyday people that, that see that, they can relate to those people that you're training, those everyday people, and therefore right. those people are going to want to come to you because when you train all these athletes, well, you've just now segmented yourself from, yeah, exactly. uh, uh, from a lot of money because you're, you're, looking at, you're looking at one athlete with a lot of money, but he's not giving you any money, but you have right. all these people who need you, <laughs> the general <laughs> population who need you. The athlete doesn't need you, okay, right. but the, the general population sure. needs you, and you need to find a, a, a better tight niche in that community than just with these athletes. So I'd rather be a celebrity coach amongst the everyday man. <laughs> you know, so they'll know, like, I can relate to this dude. This dude's a dad like well, me. This dude's 40. The, the he's over 40 like me. I want to I, I go and work with this guy. Well, well my attitude is anyone, who is actually, well, anyone who's actually at a point in their life where they're ready to, to do what I tell them to do because they want to make change is a good fit for me. I don't right. care if it's a man, woman, 50, 60, 18. Yeah, yeah. don't look for me to motivate. I shouldn't, be, I shouldn't have to motivate right. you. you exactly. Only you can motivate yourself. I hope I can inspire you, and I definitely want to help you get out of your own way by showing you the, the things that you shouldn't do that's right. going to end up that not being as efficient with your training, but don't come to me. For, I tell people that on day one when they come to me, don't come here for motivation. Don't come, for, don't come to me to motivate you. I don't know you, dude. I don't know what gets you going. I don't know what gives you a woody in the morning, and I don't want to know what gives you a woody in the morning. But don't look for me <laughs> to motivate you. You have to know your own because, trust me, I have motivation that you oh, have. I'll tell you what gives them a woody in the morning, sincere, aggressive strength, testosterone booster. Two to Boom. three counts a day, wood all day long, buddy. LLA coupon code, 10% off. Man, that's called the product placement, bofos. Oh, well, now, now that you raised that point up, Mike, uh, you know. <laughs> pun intended. Yeah, I mean, the product is up and coming, but still. You know, like, <laughs> I think you did there. <laughs> yeah, I went there. I'm gonna, it's going to get worse with future shows, all right? That's a great thing about doing your own podcast. We don't, we don't have any advertisers. We're not on radio. So we can say whatever the hell we say. The only thing we have to worry about is a few people getting offended, and neither one of us care about that. So that's not a problem either. <laughs> hey, man, that's, your insecurities are not my problem, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, and God, neither uh, am I. Yeah, we know you need to go through, but uh, I, wanted to, I wanted to focus a little bit on this project you did, which I thought was a great idea. You asked me to be a part of this, this awesome plant-based diet book, a plant-based nutrition book, I like to call it. You, you, got it. you asked a lot of people that have had success on a plant-based diet to contribute some work that you put together into a book to sell to raise money for a great cause. So if you could just tell us a little bit about that and where people can go to get more information. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And for you know, I, I did want to say you know thanks too because uh, you know I, I started contacting people and of course I, I you know I thought like how how could I possibly do this project without seeing if Mike would you know be a part of it and you were the first one to 
to respond. You were the first one to give me an article, a huge article. You gave me contacts, you know, of other people, you know, for, for contributions and stuff. And I mean, you know, just, you know, it was overnight with you and, and I really appreciate it, man, because, you know, I, I got the idea. Yeah, yeah, it was great. And I mean, I got the idea for it because, you know, yeah, I, I think, you know, you guys probably feel the same way. You know, I mean, you, you, we do what we do because we enjoy helping people and, and you know, we want to, want to help people, you know, make changes and, and better their lives and things like that. And, and you also want to give back, you know, and I know, Mike, you're a big, you're a big animal guy. And, uh, you know, I, I, I am too, you know, and, and, you know, my wife and I spend a lot of time and, you know, we, we donate money to organizations, you know, that, that help animals and we, you know, we volunteer and stuff like that. And you always, you always feel like you can do more, you want to do more. And, and I thought, you know, I, I've been doing these books and stuff like that and I, I really, like to do something to give back to, to a good organization. And I, I chose Mercy for Animals because um, as much as I am into helping the local places around Atlanta and stuff like that, I figured that if I was going to attract some people that would want to contribute to the book, I'd want to use an organization that everybody could you know, identify with, you know, in, in an organization that, that promoted things that I believed in and, and hopefully the people I involved the project did too. And I, I thought Mercy for Animals would be a perfect fit you know, because their mission statement is basically they, they you know, they try to, you know, uh, help out the, the, the farmed animals and stuff and try, try to stop cruelty to farm animals. And, and, and they also promote uh, cruelty-free uh, food choices and, and uh, policies. So I, I thought that was essentially what we were trying to capture with the book. And what I did is I asked, in addition to yourself, a bunch of other people, if they would like to contribute articles. And I wanted to make that the content of the book because I want people who – you know, might be leaning toward a vegetarian diet or wanting to learn more about it. I, you know, I want them to maybe see something in one of our articles that they identify with. And that's why I wanted to get a bunch of different people. You know, I want to get some professional athletes. I want to get some trainers. I want to get some regular people, you know, and, and, and you right. know, dietitians and, and, and people that, that from all different walks of life to, to just, you know, and I just said, hey, write something that's about plant-based nutrition that means a lot to you, you know, whether it's a personal experience or, or whether it's how you use it for training or whatever. And we came up with such a nice diversity in the articles that were submitted. There's really something in there for everybody. And it, it was so cool because I started contacting people in, in, in August and the book was published at the very end of October. So it came together really fast and everybody really was awesome to, to work with and we got some great people on the project. I enjoyed reading it. Yeah, I thought, I thought it was really good stuff. Actually, uh, I, I just read Sabina's article maybe a week ago and I thought that was very well written. She brought up some really awesome. good points and everyone's yeah, article I thought really was really cool. good. Yeah, so I and, thought, you know, I thought it was, was very well of, done. There was a lot of diversity in topics. You know, I mean, you had some people like Stick talking about how it personally affected his life and you had, you know, you had something you know, like Amy writing about juice cleansing which I know is a hot topic especially since, you know, the the Joe Cross movie came out and all that yeah. stuff. So, so there was a bunch of cool different, you know, topics in there. And, and like I said, I, I think, you know, so, and, and you, you know, you provided a lot of sample uh, recipes, which is awesome, you know, so people can, you know, what, what could I try if I want to try something? So, I mean, there's a lot of cool stuff in there. Um, and, and I wanted to make it so that 100% of the sales go to Mercy for Animals. So, so what I did is, is I published my books through an online publishing service called, called Lulu, uh, L-U-L-U.com. And, what I, I did was I, I, I talked with Lulu, and there was an option, and this makes it so easy so we don't have to buy books and, and you know, worry about you know, transferring money and all this stuff. What Lulu allowed me to do was set Mercy for Animals up on a uh, creator revenue split. And there's this option in there where I can dictate you know, how much of 
revenues go to, like if I co-authored a book with somebody or something like that. So I could go in and set it to 100% of revenue. So now I don't have to do anything with it. All we have to do is promote you know, the link. People go to the link. They buy the book. The books are print to order. The book ships to the person that bought it. And every quarter, Mercy for Animals gets cut a check. You know, we don't have to do anything, which is totally oh, awesome. Cool. Because, cool. Yeah, Great all we've got to do is promote it. Yeah, so cool. That's cool, man. And what I liked about it, what I liked about what you did also is it's not preachy and it's not condescending, pretentious, or any of that stuff. It's just going, hey, here's some good information. Here's our experiences, and let's see what you think of it. You know, it, it, was, it was like that kind of tone. Away, and that's why I want to stay away from the V word, you know. I mean, I, I think <laughs> vegan is such a it's, – it, it's a good word because, yeah, it, it definitely categorizes things, but also there's a lot of negativity you know, okay, yeah, so it means you eat plants, this, and that, and the other. And I, I wanted to stick with more of a plant-based word because, you know, I mean, Forks Over Knives did that. They didn't, they didn't really throw around the vegan word too much because there is a lot of negativity associated with the word for people who are kind of on the outside and they, they, they don't understand. And, you know, you do get some of that preachiness, you know, with it. You say, oh, my God, here comes a massive dick who's going to tell me why I suck because I eat, you know, chicken or whatever, you know. And, and I, I want to avoid that because, you know, I ate meat. You know, you, you ate meat at one point in time. I mean, right. I'm not going exactly. to judge somebody. You know, I just want to share my experience because it's been an incredibly positive experience. You know, I, I want people to see that, hey, you, you can be healthy eating plants. You can, you can thrive, man. You, you can kick ass. You know, I mean, look, look at, uh, you know, look at that, that strong man that you and I kind of discovered at the, the, the same time. Remember yeah, that, you that, know guy, that guy's pretty good. What was that guy's name? Yeah, Patrick, right? Name, yeah. yeah, Patrick, Patrick yeah, Babaume. And I had shot him a message on Facebook, uh, you know, shortly after he, he did that world record uh, yoke lifting carry. And he was really cool, man. He was like, look, I've just got so many other projects going on. I couldn't get you anything in time. But I asked him, I said, do you mind if I tell your story? You know, I, w I won't speculate. I'll just take the information that I, I, you know, can pull off your website and stuff like this. He said, no, man, have at it. You know, he was really cool. And uh, somebody, somebody I met who uh, has a cool business, uh, veganproteins.com, a guy named Giacomo, uh, yeah. He's got a team called the Plant Built Team, and uh, they're going to be in Austin at the Super. Uh, I think it's called the Naturally Fit Super Show or something like that. You know, doing bodybuilding and you know, like figure competition. And they've got, actually got a powerlifting team. And Patrick's going to come over and uh, captain the powerlifting team, which is really, uh, really cool. Um, but look at that dude, man. He's been he's been uh, vegan since the end of 2011, and he's continuing to break records. So you can't tell me that eating a plant based diet is going to make you weak. I mean, that guy's strong as hell. You know, so, you know, these are great examples for people without us saying, you know, without having to get preachy and stuff like that. You could just look at these people, look at their stories, look at their experiences and say, hey, it's possible. You know, and maybe that, you know, is a, and, and, you know, I, I, uh, I, I did a follow-up interview. I, I want to start interviewing all the authors and use it as, as a way to promote the book. But, but I, I, I got Mac uh, Danzig to do an interview a couple oh, cool. weeks ago, and I, I published it. Yeah, man, that, that guy is so cool. Uh, just, yeah, very just really, cool guy. Yeah, super. I mean, he, he, he plugged you in his uh, article in the book, I think. You know, you were kind of, you know, the, yeah, the guy nice. he He's always been nice about that. Yeah, he's always been very yeah, cool about that. Yeah, very nice guy. Super, super cool. I mean, you know, he, he was getting ready for his fight uh, against uh, Joe Lozon, and he's, you know, he's emailing me. He's apologizing for being late with the articles. Like, dude, 
just send it when you get time. You're you're a busy dude, man. I I, I get it, you know. But he he was super super nice. Actually, I think we, he told me, Scott, that you're the reason why he lost that fight. It was all the distractions. Well, was that it? Yeah, I, I, I thought so. I said we can hold off till January if if you need to. You know? <laughs> if it wasn't for all but, those emails you kept bombarding him with, he was yeah, more yeah, focused. Yeah. <laughs> Matt, can you give me a sample of how you eat, please? You know, but, but uh, so, so we we did this interview, and and you know, I asked him. I, I said. Uh, you know, one of the things I want to know, because he's not, he, he's far from preachy, you know, I mean, he, he's not going to point fingers and, and he's not condescending in any way. I said, how do, how do we, you know, as fitness professionals or whatever, how do we get the message across without sounding preachy? He said, man, you just, you do what you do and you, you be an example, you know, to others. Right. He said, I, I train, I, I, I eat plants, you know, people know what I'm about. I don't have to tell people. They see that, you know, I'm really fit. They see that I recover well. They see that I perform well. And that gets people interested, and, and that just kind of radiates the people around me. And he said, exactly. just be, be an example. You exactly. You don't have to wear, you know, vegan power panties like Ken Blackburn does when he teaches right. courses to, to get the message out there, right? You know, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> oh, bad visual. Uh -oh. Damn. Well, that's why, I mean, it's not just, it's not just like vegan power panties. Ken is just, Look, dude, i got to go to juice fast to clear that out of my mind now. <laughs> Yeah, you can't get uh, – you know, that's the problem with Ken, though. You can't get him away from panties. I mean, he, he's, he's constantly – you know, it doesn't even have to be vegan power, man. That guy's got a whole line of panties in his closet. <laughs> yeah, edible ones, you know, different colors. Yeah, you know. It's Ken, what would you expect, gotcha. man? Cruelty-free, of course. But. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Where can, uh, where can people find out more about this book, Scott? Is there a website? Um, it, yeah, yeah. What, what I did is I, I actually created its own website because I, I wanted to kind of separate it from my, uh, you know, my business and make it kind of its own entity. That way, if we want to do, you know, more projects down the road or, or whatever, it's kind of got its own, its own home. And, and the website is uh, it's, it's plant-based performance, all one word, plantbasedperformance.org. And uh, there's a link if they go to the store page uh, to order either the book in print copy or to download it as an ebook. And, and basically. Uh, the print books, I think Mercy for Animals get somewhere about 10 bucks and change in, in royalties, and they get about 12 bucks and change from the e-book the e downloads. So they're making a pretty nice chunk you know, per book sold. And the problem is, is once, because the book has an ISBN, it's going to be available on Amazon here pretty soon. Uh, the royalty cut will be much smaller if people are through Amazon. So I, I really want right, to try to right. direct as many people as I can to the link so they can buy it straight from uh, the online publisher so that Mercy for Animals gets a bigger cut. And one, one of my goals, and, and I want to try to circle back with the, the authors of the book, and, and, you know, and, and I know you mentioned something about plugging the book here soon. Um, I, I kind of set a personal goal to really hammer it hard over 2014, and I would love to, to hit – I made $10,000 my target for the end of uh, – by the end of 2014, that's the goal that I kind of want to try to hit with, uh, you know, the book sales. And it's, it's very doable. I mean, that's only about, you know, it's – less than a thousand books at, at ten bucks right. per book that Mercy Frannels right. makes. So I mean I don't I don't think it's that far fetched at all and I just thought no, not at all. hey man, that that would be a that'd be an awesome target uh you know to shoot for for twenty fourteen and, and I just really wanted to hit it hard this year because I, I think, you know, MFA is a great organization. They're doing a good thing. And anybody who, who devotes their life to to you know, trying to trying to help out animals and 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 you know those living beings and stuff like that, it, it's commendable because they're not doing it for a pat on the back. You know, they're out there doing right you know, a lot, of, a lot of tough work and, and dealing with a lot of shitty circumstances, and they're, they're doing a really good thing. And, uh, you know, yeah. I, I think I read the quote somewhere that, you know, 
rescue animals. You'll you'll lose your mind, but you'll uh, you'll find your soul, and 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 that's that's really what it's all about, man. So the good people doing a great thing, and and I'm I'm happy that we can support them through the book. So that's fantastic, man. Yeah, we'll definitely Thanks put that link. Uh, yeah, we'll put yeah. that link in the notes. And, and in fact, I already have it down. I mean, I found it while you guys were talking, so I already pulled it up and put it in the show notes. So we'll have those links in there for sure for you, Scott. Yeah, and I, I got a Facebook page for it too. Uh, you know, I mean, there's a link to it off the site, so people can. And I always try to, you know, whenever I put a new blog out there or whatever, or any information about the book, I, you know, I try to throw it on there. And, and actually, the 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 one girl that wrote for the book, Amy uh, Dumas, she actually yeah, you know, Lita. Uh, Lita. You want to talk about somebody that's thriving off a plant based diet? I mean, this girl, she can fly, and she's strong. She's stronger. Uh, yeah, even yeah, though even awesome. though that stuff is scripted, you can't script getting hit in the head with a chair. Okay, you can't script the pain <laughs> that you feel when they crack that right. across the skull, or when you and she's had shoulder dislocation, all these different things. So don't say they're not yeah. strong, man. Well, okay. A lot, lot of injuries and stuff. And, and yeah, and she she just got inducted to the uh, WWE Hall of Fame the other day. So I, I yep. put a little blurb out there on the site. Oh, you know, so cool. I, I try to keep. Yeah, I try to keep new, uh, you know, just new little kind of things. If something's going on, you know, when Max Flight was coming up, I tried to, you know, put some links or whatever. So, you know, I mean, if you, you've got something coming out, I, I want to try to make sure that everybody who was involved with the book, you know, I mean, I want to make sure that they get something out of it too and they get some, you know, notoriety for any products or any, any uh, you know, articles, books, whatever, you know. So I, I want to make sure that everybody that contributed to the book gets some, uh, you know, get some publicity out of it too because, you know, everybody was, was kind enough to take the time to, to, you know, submit articles and, and correspond with me and stuff like that. And, you know, nobody, and not that I would expect, but nobody asked for a thing in return. You know, they were just happy to help out. And I think everybody shares a similar, uh, similar vision, you know, in that mission. So it was, re- everybody was super, super cool. So I just want to make sure everybody gets, you know, some recognition for it too. So Awesome. That's awesome. And it's great. It's great to see. I think we need to see more of that in the strength and fitness community where people galvanize together and come up with these great ideas for whatever cause it is, whether it's, Stopping human trafficking, which is something we talk a lot about on the show. You know, we had our Melia Kaplan on last week talking about how to help homeless animals. What you're doing is fantastic stuff too. So I think I think that should be a cornerstone of everyone's life in some capacity. So I definitely applaud people like you. Well, look at what Dave Tate does with uh, the Make-A-Wish Foundation, man. He always puts out that yeah. awesome e-book with, exactly. you know, gets all his writers. Together. I mean, that, that's so cool, man. I mean, it's, that's awesome. it's just great to see people doing something for, for a bigger cause and, you know, really trying to give back and, uh, you know, people kind of getting over their egos and, and, you know, really trying to make the world in their place, you know. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Now, how about, your, how about you, Scott? Where's, do you have a personal website? Where can people find out more about your training? I, well, I've, I've, got, uh, I've got, in addition to the plant-based site, I've got my uh, – kind of my brick-and-mortar business, you know, my, my private training center here in Atlanta. My website is extreme-fitness.org, and that's mainly where I keep all my information regarding my personal, you know, one-on-one training and the services that I offer uh, through that. And then I also have my own uh, personal site at scottshetler.com, and that's kind of where I'm focusing a little bit more on things like, uh, you know, since here you mentioned my Abundant Health book, you know, that I recently put out and kind of the transition that I went through over the last couple of years and kind of kind of where I see, you know, myself going, uh, you know, toward the later stages of, of my career and my life and stuff like that, my, the, the mission that I kind of want to focus on and stuff. So I, I kind of separated that from my, uh, my private training business because I kind of also wanted to brand myself individually as, as I kind of see, you know, eventually, you know, down the road getting out of training and doing more speaking engagements, working more with people in that regard, trying, trying to help bring an awareness to health. Um, and, and, you know, just, just bring some, you know, balance to, to your life and stuff through not just focusing on physical development, but focusing on, you know, things like the meditation and, and, and the mind development and, and some of the things that we talked about earlier. So I, I try to keep that, you know, more of those types of topics 
uh, put on my, my personal site. So I, I did separate those two. So it's scottsheller.com and then extreme-fitness.org are the two other personal sites that I have. So Fantastic, man. Well, thanks a lot for coming on, buddy. We appreciate it. Hey, th- right. thanks for having me, man. Yeah, well, definitely. Well, I, I, I was joking with somebody again. on a... I was joking with somebody on Facebook today. Uh, I, I made a comment that, yeah, I'm getting, getting to talk to the man, uh, Mike Mahler, a little bit this afternoon, and somebody was like, oh, cool, man, his podcast is awesome. He's had a bunch of top-notch guests on it. I said, well, he must have ran out of, uh, ran out of guests or something. He's like, yeah, I'll give the Shetler guy a call. <laughs> uh, now, we're, we're having a good time doing this, and uh, we're, both, we're both putting quite a bit of work into this, and it's, it's coming up nicely. People are really enjoying it. We're getting a lot of good feedback from people. And so it's it's all good, man. We're just gonna keep this thing going. Awesome, yeah. man. Well, I'll definitely, uh, I'll, I'll definitely promote it. Uh, definitely promote it on my sites and stuff, man. Uh, it was, Perfect. It was awesome. a lot of fun. Love talking to you guys. So thanks awesome, a lot, man. man. You have a great day, and we'll we'll definitely have you come back again. All right, guys. Sounds all good. Right. Take care. Take care. Take care. Take brother. care. Have a good one, man. All right. Bye. bye. Definitely check out his websites, and also just a couple of key points I wanted to bring up. That's why you might have heard a little bit of typing during the shows. There's a couple of things I wanted to make sure I addressed. One is uh, I got a tweet from a guy on Twitter saying that the sincere descriptions are too long and it takes forever for him to scroll down it on his iPhone. Well, here's a great tip for you, buddy. Subscribe to the show, okay? You can get a podcast button on, on your phone and then you automatically get the show live coming into your phone every time we put up a new episode. So you don't have to look at the newsletter blast out that I send out and go through all of this, and then try to listen to the show that way. Subscribe to the show. So that, that's an easy one there. And because the subscribe, I mean, the descriptions are so you know what the episode is about, and Sincere works really hard on those each week so that you know what it's about, what we cover, and all that. So, I mean, that's not going to stop because that's, that's a value. <laughs> you know, that's not a negative, folks. That, that's a value that we're adding here. I mean, it's, if we thought it was a negative... I'm sure it's sincere. I'm sure you'd be happy to stop doing it if you know, you know, because it's not like it's, it's not like you enjoy the extra fun, extra work. You know? I, mean, so I mean, one of the reasons why I started doing this is because there are a lot of podcasts that I listen to, and there are no freaking notes on it right. when I go to it. It's just I like, play the podcast. And I'm like, dude, I wish you would have put the show notes up or something, a, a link. I don't want you to transcribe or anything because that's a pain in the ass. But, right. you know, at least give some, some tips. Like, what am I, who, especially when it's someone I've never heard of before. So let me see what this person's about before I click on it. Because I may not be on your website looking at it or something like that. I, you know, I might just actually, be, like I said, be in iTunes or, or Stitcher where I've actually subscribed to someone's podcast. You know, that's right. what happens right. when you subscribe to something like that. You know, yeah, you have so you're to, a big fan of the show and you haven't subscribed yeah. and you have an iPhone. Come on, dude. Why are you even looking at the email <laughs> <for> <laughs> You know, I don't sit there and read people's articles on my iPhone, man. Come on. Here's the one thing about it. We say it all the time. When it comes to business, you can't please everyone, nor should you try to. So, you know, of course. Well, I mean, this, I, this is someone who's a fan of the show, so I don't want to dig into him too much, which is why I'm not saying his name or anything. But uh, I, and if you follow us on Twitter, you'll find it pretty easily, though. But, uh, I mean, this guy's a fan of the show. He's trying to be helpful, but it's like, come on, dude. You know, think a little bit here. Subscribe to the show. It goes into your phone automatically. You don't have to read any description if you don't want to. You don't have to read the email. The email is meant for someone to read on their computer. That's why, you know, that's exactly. kind of the intent there. It's, you know, I don't expect someone to go through the whole newsletter blast on on their smartphone, and, and if they do and they're having a hard time reading it, then you know, get off your <laughs> smartphone. <laughs> that, that's an easy one. Man. Wait until you're somewhere else. Get on your computer. Get on your iPad. All right, that's one thing. Second of all, you know, we get a lot of people emailing us saying, great show, posting on Facebook, great show, but you're not posting it on iTunes or Stitcher. So 
We appreciate that. Thanks a lot. But definitely post it on iTunes and Stitcher so other people can see it. It helps improve our show ranking. and helps us get more people listening to the show so we can keep bringing great guests because we have a lot of great guests coming up. We have Paul Check. I actually talked to Rob Wolf by email a couple days ago, and he's very interested in coming on the show, probably going to be April. And because some, some have said, you know, we're putting out way too much plant-based nutrition, and that's the other, that's the other point I wanted to bring up is, one, it's not even really true. We, we've had a lot of guests come on who are meat eaters. We had a, a nutritionist, Brian St. Pierre, come on last week who's a meat eater. Sincere Eats Meat talks about his points on that. But the other thing about that is there is a ton of information already out there for athletes who eat animal foods, animal proteins. So it's not like we have to put that information out there because there's such a shortage of how to make that work. But there is a huge shortage on the plant-based side. So that's a topic a lot of people are interested in, whether they want to try it or not. They're just curious, or maybe they want to know about it for their clients, or maybe they want to experiment it with whatever. So, I mean, we're going to share those stories. It's not going to, it doesn't, it's not going to be every week. It's not where we're not trying to push a certain agenda. But at the same time, I'm not going to not have someone come on the show because they may talk about that. That's kind of silly. But, well, you know, we'll get people like Rob Wolf coming down the pipeline too. So we'll, we'll definitely get the other side of the coin. I mean, yeah, you're going to get the other side of the coin as well with Paul Check. You know, yeah, so exactly. You, exactly. So, uh, but again, and, and Poliquin, who was on the show, yeah. was a huge meat eater. <laughs> yes, he is. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, you're gonna get all you'll get all points of view right there. But again, no one has to wear it on their sleeve and like, all right, and this is not going to be the all the, the meat eaters podcast or the the plant eaters podcast. Just giving you different aspects to help improve your life, and you get to decide which avenue you get to travel down. It's not like I said, it's not going to be an either or type show people so there's, there's nothing going to be it's not going to be preachy other than the fact then stop being a lazy ass and taking charge of your life there that's, that's about all <laughs> the think, preaching that we're going to give you and then yeah. if you choose not to yeah, exactly. oh, well, oh well your choice <laughs> okay so you know I, I think, think there's you know, two themes that are very consistent in our show is one what you just said and the other is provoking thought it's not about you agreeing with everything everyone says I mean I, I always laugh when someone says you know I don't agree with everything you guys say well, so, well why would you you know, you're a grown man, you know. We don't agree with each other. I don't even agree with myself half the time. I, I'm sure if I listened to some early episodes, I'd be like, huh, what was I thinking back then? Yeah. You know, we're always evolving and so forth. So, I mean, it, if you agree with everything we have to say, then we're the only ones thinking. You know, you're just being a, a sheeple, you know. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, of, of course, of, I mean, the whole point is to, is to provoke thought where you, you may even want to challenge some of the things we're saying, which is great. It means you're actually thinking about it. That's fine. You know, that's what we're trying to do here. We're not trying to be a show where it's all politically correct and everybody's boring as fuck. They don't want to offend anybody, so they never cuss, and they just try to stay this middle path the whole time, so like they're a politician. We're not going to do that bullshit. You can get that anywhere. It's probably a thousand podcasts just like that. We're not going to do that yeah. crap. It's boring as shit for either one of us. Neither one of us yeah. have that personality type, which is why... You know, me going into the corporate world trying to give lectures wasn't a fit, you know, for obvious reasons. <laughs> right. So, I mean, uh, like, yeah, I can't, you know, I'm happy if I can get through one of my intro workshops and I don't drop one F-bomb. And, <laughs> and, and, one of, and one of my coaches, she laughs, she goes, wow, you made it two hours and you have not said the F-word yet. I was like, oh, fuck, I need to get, do better by that. <laughs> I, can avo- I can avoid cutting. I was like, the thing is, I do it out of fun. I do it out of fun. Exactly. And also, well, I know my audience. I can't avoid is it being intense, right? And that's where people are like, whoa, this guy's intense, or he's very hardcore, or he's very visceral and all that. It's like, well, that's just the way I'm going to be. Otherwise, I'm not going to get up there and, and do a Toastmasters speech, all right? You know, <laughs> that's, not, that's not the way I do it. So I'm going to get up there and be me, and oh. it's not going to be boring. 
but you may sit there and be like, wow, this guy's nuts, or I don't know what this what he's talking about. But I, I, yeah, it's and not I'm never. I'm never going to like water down my descriptions of, of movements because the thing is I'm very artistic with the way I paint pictures. So if I tell you, if you get ready to do a squat and I tell you push your butt back like you're taking a dump in the woods and not, dump, or, and not do it like a dog taking a dump in your yard, then guess what? People's form, people's form improves immediately with that metaphor. That's exactly, because the they get it. Oh, now you get it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, yeah, it's not a pretty picture, but you know what? You'll remember that from now on. <laughs> so. I like kettlebell swings. I'm like, midnight move, folks. Oh, okay? yeah. <laughs> so all of a sudden, the guys are gay. It's like, all right, now I know who's getting laid in this room. Who isn't? You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, so, all right, folks, that's going to wrap it up for this week. Yeah. Uh, yeah well. <laughs> <laughs> quite a bit of time here. <laughs> you know, sure. We're about to go back to our old ways here. Know, you know, even though, even though we've been getting emails where people say they enjoyed the, the two-hour shows back in the day, too. But, you know, yeah. we're not backtracking. It's kind of like relationships. I can't go back to her, though. Can't go back. That, that, that's kind of psycho. So that two-hour ex that we used to have, I can't go back to that girl. So anyhow, <laughs> so make sure you hop over to my website, newwarriortraining.com, and use the coupon code LLA, and you'll get 30% off of my physical or digital download of my bodyweight training DVD. And, Mike, what do you have going on with that? Yeah, you can Gloria. use the coupon code LLA, get 10% off any of my nutrition supplements, any of my videos, I've added that to the list, any of my T-shirts. So you can use coupon code LLA to get 10% off any of that. You can also use it to get 10% off any of the courses I have coming up in Australia. Those are the only ones listed on the site. And quick big announcement. We won't get into, we're not going to get into this too much because we've already gone over, but we will be doing a course in Las Vegas in September 21st and 22nd. Okay, it's a Saturday and Sunday. It's going to be me, Sincere Hogan, Ken Blackburn, Steve Cotter. If you're not excited about that lineup, you need to check your pulse. Let, let, me, so. let me rewind that. Let's, let's do that one more time. So it's yeah. you. Sir Hogan, Mike Mahler, <laughs> Ken Blackburn, Steve and Cotter, all four of us. At the same time. In Las Vegas. <laughs> yeah. One night only. <laughs> okay. if, this one, if this one doesn't sell out, I'm officially retiring from doing workshops. <laughs> all right. I'm already halfway there anyway. But let's say that this course doesn't fill up with enthusiasm. I'm done, folks, because it means that you guys don't care about workshops. You don't care about great content. You, know, you don't care about having a good time. And that's fine. I'll do something else. But, <laughs> but uh, I still have hope that there's people out there who are like, wow, that's going to be a great time. It's a great lineup. The price is going to be competitive. I'm not going to talk about that now, but the price is going to be competitive, especially compared to what's going on in the marketplace right now. That I promise you, you're going to be happy when you see the price. But anyway, we're putting together the course material for that. It will be on all of our websites very soon, probably in March, and then we're going to start promoting this thing big time. So start thinking about that. Mark that on your calendar today. Put an X right through those two days that you're going to be going email us, either me or Sincere, and let us know that you want more information about this course and that you're interested, and you will go to a special VIP list where there will be an additional discount. Okay, this, so you need to get those emails to us before we make this announcement, before it's on any of our websites, because once it's on the websites, that promotion offer is over. So shoot us an email, Mike, uh, Mike Mahler at Yahoo, or Mahler25 at Yahoo.com, uh, actually, what are, what are our simple. podcasts? Yeah. yeah, what are our It's hard to know what it is, our podcast email. <laughs> uh, it's very simple. So, uh, sincere at LLAPodcast.com or Mike at LLAPodcast.com. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, so send us an email just saying, hey, I heard about the course you guys are doing. I'm very interested in more information. And we're going to put you on a special list. And when we make an announcement, you're going to get a special VIP offer, which is going to expire once we make the announcement. So send us those emails today. Get, get on, on that it. list. And you're going to have first, you're going to get the yeah. first chance to get in at the lowest price possible. Exactly. So, and it's going to be an experience, people. It's not just going to be a workshop and seminar. It's going to be a Vegas experience. It's funny, uh, one of my coaches, I was telling her about it, she's like, so basically what you guys are doing are like the original Kings. It's going to be the Kings of Kettlebells. <laughs> so it's taking, a, taking a spin off the Kings of Comedy. <laughs> you know? So I was like, yeah, but it's not going to all be Kettlebells either. It's going to be some, some good stuff in there outside of Kettlebells during that right. weekend. So, yeah, is there going to be a cocaine snorted off strippers' asses? Probably. Is there going to be a mixed you know, contest? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I think I might, I'm going to have to experiment with the whole sushi off a of, of naked chick <laughs> thing right there. It's Vegas, though. Yeah, we're, we're, we're not going to go to the Circus Circus Hotel for, for dinner afterwards. We're going to go have some real fun here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it's going to be a good time. Anyway, we'll get, we'll get way more information about that. I'm going to look into hotel deals, see if we can get some specials, like some group, group specials so that everyone can stay at the same place and have a good time, get a chance to interact with each other. And we're, we're going to make an experience. It's not till September, so we have plenty of time to really put together a great experience. But we will start the registration process as early as March. So stay tuned for that. So, yeah, so start putting your chips together and put them to the side, folks. I told you all on the last show, start putting your money to the side and get ready for this. September is a ways away, but with these yeah, discounts, you, you, they're, you, they're coming up. Cable, if you get rid of your cable <laughs> bill today, that will more than pay for it by September. So stop watching garbage TV and get rid of that $60, $70 a month cable bell, and you're there. <laughs> Simple well, cable, hold on, hold on. What cable company are you with? <laughs> <laughs> All right, $20 a month. All right, $30 a month. I don't know what it is. Uh, that no, cable no I wish. I'm like, obviously, I need to get your cable company like 60 Okay, it's more than that. It's just oh, that hell yeah. It's like double that. So, well, there, so we yeah, go. there we go. There you now, go. Get rid of cable. There. Keep listening to our show. And make sure you tune in next week. And we'll give you more good information. But like I said, when um, get that, you know, if you're interested in coming to this workshop coming up in September, hit us up ASAP at Mike at LLAPodcast.com and Sincere at LLAPodcast.com. That's the email address. Let's get it going. All right. Have a great week, folks. Talk to you soon.